2: Overnight fireworks. 1 a.m. last night, Kevin Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns.
3: Do you know what that means to me when I saw that? That means what? After all that has transpired, after the bubble, after the injuries, after time has elapsed, phoenix who essentially paid indiana to take him off their hands <laughs> T. finally realized that tj warren yeah. needs to be back as a son
2: mm-hmm. yeah two and a half years after that foot injury for tj warren he's back he's part of that deal a son he is yes kevin durant and tj warren uh, i don't think that'll be uh, a name you see in bold letters on the espn ticker but yes kevin durant tj warren to the Suns. the nets get back mikhail bridges cam johnson Jay Crowder and first-round picks and all of the odd years coming up. So 23, 25, 27, 29, those are all unprotected picks. Uh, Quite a busy day. You know, Jake. it would have to take something, I think, of substance to push Russell Westbrook being traded from the Lakers to the back burner. But Kevin Durant and the Nets accomplished that last night.
3: You know, first off, if if you're Kevin Durant, how do you not look at it and say, I feel pretty good about myself that they think I'm worth three rotational players. Jay Crowder wasn't playing much, and four first-round picks. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's a haul for sure.
2: And Bridges and Johnson are pretty good players. I know.
3: Shows you what they think of T.J. Warren, right? Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant, to me, unbelievable player. And I had a friend that worked for Oklahoma City when he was there. That at that time Kevin Durant he said was just this quiet guy that was walking around with a backpack cuz he was finishing his degree at Texas or still working on it.
2: He was playing pickup football, right? Intramural football at
3: Oklahoma State. Yeah, like he said he was like just a super nice guy. Low-key nice guy. That was a long time ago. I seemingly he still is. I've never heard to the contrary. But it's interesting to me though that he, you know, if you think about it, here's a guy that grew up in DC, lived in Austin for a year, lived in Seattle for a year, lived in Oklahoma City for like 4 years or whatever it was then went to, you know, lived in Golden State for a couple of years, then went to Brooklyn, now in Phoenix. I just think it's it feels like the most circuitous career for an elite-level star in their prime that we've seen. I know that people want to talk about LeBron's giving team. I, I get it. But for a guy as talented and as unbelievable as Kevin Durant is, it just seems like a lot of teams that have taken – taking their shot with him.
2: New ownership, not messing around with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that was probably the first thing that stood out. Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. That's quite the um, quartet there for Phoenix. They will actually play inside of GameBird Fieldhouse tomorrow night. Uh, they're in Atlanta tonight. Kevin Durant is hurt, by the way. Um, it, sounded, it sounded like he's going to be out through the All-Star break, so he will not be playing in that game, but uh, Phoenix certainly... Pushing the chips into the middle of the table with the Chris Paul timeline there. And if you're the Nets, boy, how quickly things can change. I will say this if you look at a Nets roster, they have about six or seven dudes that are 6'5 to 6'8. That I'm like, wow, that's a pretty good player. Like, I mean, nothing to Durant. I want to make that very clear, but there's like a lot of guys on that roster that I'm like, oh yeah, I would be happy if the Pacers had that guy. Yeah, that's or that fair. guy. And obviously a massive rebuild there for Brooklyn. Good Thursday morning to you. It is, I don't know about you guys, I borderline sweat walking yeah, in the car was, this morning. It was
4: surprising.
2: Both of you guys are still going sweatshirts. I kind of went with the lighter sweatshirt. I only on threw this it out when I morning. got in the studio.
4: It was a little chilly in the studio this morning. So that's Sounds
2: like a windy, windy Thursday here in the metro area, but temperature-wise, really nice to start the day. A little bit cooler to finish it. Tonight, up in Mackey, Purdue hosting Iowa. That is a seven and a half point favorite for the Boilers. I'm looking forward to it. Going up there with uh, with a buddy of mine. Always love um, getting inside of Mackey. And I'm uh, curious how Purdue uh, responds to just their second loss of the season.
3: How often do you go to games in Mackey? Or how many have you been to, would you say? Oh, that's a good
5: question. Uh, like how many
3: non-IU games have you been to there? Ooh, Three? 2-3? Because it's yeah. a great place to watch a game. Great. Great. I mean, and it's I, not a bad seat in the house. It's it's always raucous. And
2: I, I love Assembly Hall. I love Mackey. I love Hinkle. But they're three totally different venues. Yeah. In terms of vantage point, structure, all of those things. I said this to John yesterday when I went on with him in the afternoon, Jake. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world for at some point here in the month of February, Purdue to have a night where Big Ten officiating says, Zach Eady, you're going to sit on the bench a lot and if he gets two fouls in the first 10 minutes and he gets four at some point in the second half and it almost seems inevitable with how the Big Ten operates in March Madness that if Purdue's going to get on a run they're going to have one of these nights where Zach Eady's not going to be able to give them the really incredible amount of playing time he's able to give them. Right now, that dude plays 30-35 minutes every night which is so rare for a 7'4 guy and I don't know if tonight would be the perfect night for it but I think that would be beneficial for Purdue at some point here in February to experience that. I've
3: also I can't remember if it was to you on the air or if it was somebody I was talking to where I said, and I'd have to look at their remaining schedule. Let me give you the Purdue remaining schedule, Kevin. You tell me which of these games you think has the most flexibility with their with your roster, okay? So like the easiest? Correct. Iowa tonight at Northwestern at Maryland Ohio State, Indiana, at Wisconsin, and Illinois at home. There really isn't one, though, oh, is there?
2: Boy, I mean, if you probably went off point spreads right now, would this seven and a half pointer tonight be the biggest one the rest of the year? Probably.
3: You know, maybe it should have been. And I was one three straight. I don't act like there. And I mean, who am I to sit here and? I, I'm not questioning Matt Painter. Don't get me wrong. I'm simply saying, would it have been completely out of the norm? Like the Florida A and M game or Davidson, to basically say to Zach Eadie, "You got the night off." Well, didn't he miss one of those games with an illness? He did have an he had an injury of some sort, did he not? I, for some reason, I thought he had like a late illness, like, and that was the
2: Trey Kaufman game where he went off. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you need a couple
3: of games for for them to just realize what it's like to play without him to give them the confidence that hey, you know, hey, we can play without this guy. And He's I almost like
2: the in game adversity. You know, where you don't have to prep for it. Yeah. All of a sudden, hey, bleep's hitting the fan a little bit. How are we going to react to not having Zach Eady? Tony Perkins, the LN product for Iowa. He had 32 last time out. Chris Murray continues to be one of the better players in the Big Ten. So that will be the matchup tonight in Mackey. Again, the NBA trade deadline coming up at 3 o'clock today. We went over the Kevin Durant to Phoenix trade. The other big one. Uh, Russell Westbrook to the Jazz. The Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. For those unfamiliar, Malik Beasley is a high-volume wing shooter. So I think that, obviously Russell's name stands out, but I think that is honestly the piece that could help the Lakers the most. And then how about Mike Conley? Getting out of the... It hasn't been as much of a tank as I think a lot of people thought it would be, but he gets out of Utah, where clearly... His timeline didn't align with Utah's timeline. He goes to Minnesota. Jake, it's kind of an interesting place for Mike Conley with Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and they Anthony they got some Edwards. players in
3: Minnesota. You know, they're right there. They're the eighth seed in the West. So, Minnesota to me, Anthony Edwards in particular is a really good player. Carl Anthony Towns is a unicorn for sure. I kind of felt like Minnesota probably expected to be a little higher than where they are right for now. For sure.
2: I think Conley's a better fit, though, than Russell. Conley will yeah, distribute. That's Russell that's, that's wants fair. to yeah. sniff out that shot a little bit more. You talked about Kevin Durant on the move. How about Russell Westbrook since he won MVP in 2017?
3: Westbrook, to me, unbelievable player in his prime. But I think people kind of didn't notice because he was doing so many incredible things that he wasn't a great shooter. And as soon as his raw athleticism and strength and first step went away that put him in position to score in so many different ways and he was reliant on having to shoot the basketball, totally different guy.
2: Russell Westbrook wins MVP in 2017. The Thunder give him a $200 million extension over five years. And Jake, he has done the old, let's play for a different team every season since. Isn't that crazy? Thunder, Rockets, Wizards, Lakers, and now Utah Jazz, and by all accounts, and Mark, I, I thought I heard Jay Will and Keyshawn and company talk about this as I walked in. Sounds like a buyout, and maybe the Bulls?
4: Maybe, yeah. yeah stress I mean, on
2: maybe there? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but a buyout is the expectation. Again, the Pacers were rumored you know, quite often. With Westbrook,
3: but he is off to... Thank goodness they never pulled the trigger on oh, any of those gosh. ludicrous moves. Yeah.
2: Well, I, again, he, he never would have played here, but still, I just... just, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it was too complicated for me to fully understand, but I'm good on that. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the trade deadline. Cam Reddish in a first-rounder to Portland for Josh Hart. It was kind of a cool video last night. Jalen Brunson I assumed getting his jersey retired at Villanova. His reaction to his college teammate, Josh Hart getting traded to the Knicks was really cool uh, to see that. I feel like the only trade the Pacers will make today is Josh McRoberts for O.J. Mayo.
3: Uh, that's if the facts goes through, right?
2: Wasn't that trade se- seven straight years in the making?
3: That was the one, man. Do you remember? Like, I swear there was like four straight years that was the rumor. And he, it almost went through, right? Yeah, so David Morway, who was the, I think, vice president of the Pacers at the time, or that he might have been general manager. They finally agreed to make the trade and they had, they faxed over to, I'm trying to think of who it would have been. Was it Memphis where OJ Mayo was? Sounds right. And the fax went through like like 402 and the trade deadline was four and the NBA nixed it. And it was like, well, okay. And it turned out to be a better deal for the Pacers because OJ Mayo got Mm -hmm. like within two years was banned from the league. Former AAU teammates? Is that right?
1: Was Mayo with...
2: Maybe maybe I'm thinking Mayo was more of... um, No, I'm thinking of Daquan Cook is who I'm thinking of.
3: Daquan Cook was definitely on that AAU team with Eric Gordon and... Mike Conley. Mike Conley and Greg Oden and that whole group, yeah.
2: Uh, Pacers lose last night in Miami. That is now 13 of 15 they have lost. Uh, Bam Adebayo was pretty much incredible 38 points for him Jimmy Butler was up to Jimmy Butler things as well Indiana got off to a pretty poor start terrific second quarter led by TJ McConnell Butler took over in the third and Miami pretty much held Indiana off the rest of the way Uh, Jake to me last night the, the oddest thing was just the playing time for Benedict Matherin and I know at times when I talk about Matherin it probably feels like I'm defending my son But I don't understand the 13 minutes of playing time for him. That is a season low. I think if there's one thing about Matherin that he's proved throughout this rookie season, a poor quarter, a poor half usually means he flips that. Right. So for me, I don't understand the lack of playing time. On that end, because he has shown you time and time again if he struggles. And I don't even think... I mean, he wasn't great last night by any means in a short stretch. But I didn't think he was horrid. And then he just doesn't really play in the second half. And it's the second half that you don't score 50 points. Like, you, you needed scoring. You needed some punch to try and get back into that game. I don't think Rick Carlisle has done this a lot this year. I, I want to make that clear. But when you've won two games in a month, you need to make sure... If you're going to be bad, don't be old too. You guys heard me say that often with the Colts this season. They were bad and they were old at quarterback. You need to make sure that you commit to playing this youth. We've talked about Isaiah Jackson. All right, whatever. This is such a great opportunity for Halliburton back. Pair him with Matherin a little bit more. Get those guys used to these minutes. Carlisle even said it before the game last night. You come into this environment, adversity is going to hit you. We need our guys to play through that. Miami's a team that's going to punch you in the mouth several times. Uh, this is probably the first night all year where I've looked at and said, man. That was not the commitment to playing some of your younger, I'd argue better, but even younger guys, and that can't be the case here with this team now 12th in the Eastern Conference.
3: Nine players last night in the rotation. I did see you know, people starting to point out that at times in Dallas, Rick Carlisle was questioned for not playing younger players enough in rotation. That's not been the case with Benedict Matherin. It was last night. Literally two points in 13 minutes. Never even got a chance to get in rhythm, really. The only thing I would say, Kevin, this is as theory, not as any sort of knowledge. But is it possible when you look at, like, say, Jalen Smith, who's fallen out of rotation, O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah Jackson, and Goga Batazze? Is it possible that with any of those players, Carlisle was told by Kevin Pritchard? Hey, there's a chance they're going to be moved at some point, so you know, bear that in mind. I can't imagine that would factor yeah. in.
2: No, that's the thought it hadn't even crossed my mind. Or
3: with Daniel Tice, was it, hey, be sure that he's out there a lot because we want to give teams you know, we've got X team that's interested in him but they're worried about his stamina, so make sure you give him fifteen you know, whatever. I mean
2: Tyson Duarte were actually one of the probably two of the very few pacers that had some, you know, bright moments. Last night, I—I I mean, it's not like Isaiah Jackson's played a whole lot at all over the last month. Um, I just—you look at how Matherin played throughout January. I mean, he was. Remember, he had that stretch of five straight. Oh, yeah. Over twenty points, and then all of a sudden, when Halliburton has come back, he has played. I think two of the three lowest games minutes all year long. He had like 13 last night, and then against the Lakers last week, I think he had 19 or 20. So even when Halliburton has been healthy before Halliburton had the elbow injury, Matherin was still finding consistent minutes. It's not like this is a, when Halliburton plays, Matherin doesn't play. Obviously, his minutes aren't going to be as much, but this is an area where the Pacers cannot, cannot go down this path. Because again, it's not like you're winning, you're losing. It's not like you're six in the East and all of a sudden the goalposts have changed and you're like, hey, we can make the playoffs. You haven't won a road game in a month and a half. You've lost 13 of 15. Again, you've won two games in a month. If you look at the lottery standings, Indiana
3: right now is 6th. Indiana heard- right now, Jake, it's back on the web and right. Yama talk. No, you're right. You're right. You got a chance for it. Have you heard any discussion at all of the Pacers linked to trades? Because I really haven't. No,
2: no. I mean, again, those ancillary pieces that we've talked about in the front court or Duarte. Um, I believe there was one report yesterday of Matisse Tybel with Philly, but I looked at the trade last night of Durant or even the Westbrook one, and that's where I felt like Indiana could tag along. I mean, remember the James Harden trade a few years ago, right? With all the Depot and Karis Levert, you right. know, the Pacers were the third team that somebody needed. Indiana has so much flexibility with their roster, cap space, draft picks. They can provide some relief for a team. So that's where I felt like they could get involved.
3: What I like, though, about the Pacers situation versus Phoenix is, Kevin, if this makes sense, to your point, they have kind of that flexibility of being the third team. But what I like about Indiana is there seems to be kind of a clear idea and vision in terms of the youth that they have. So there's none of this, like, we've got to push all in right now and hope it works, and if not, we're screwed. Like Phoenix, Kevin Durant's an unbelievable talent, and that team is very intriguing with DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But if it doesn't work there, I mean, do you remember, like, in Brooklyn it was a slam dunk. James, oh my gosh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, same roster, back up the Brinks truck. They played 16 games together. It's just such a boomer bust to do that. I, I and the Pacers, I just kind of I'm intrigued by the thought process of just let this thing grow organically.
2: And I think they almost need a reminder of that. Again, when you're playing Mather in thirteen minutes, it it, it kind of gets away from what the original goal was of the season. And again, that's true. This has not been a common theme. It has been this theme over the last week. This is not a one game thing. It happened with the Lakers last week. Isaiah Jackson, if you look at him, I mean, Jake, you've always been extremely high. I think rightfully so on Jackson. If you look at his playing time, when he's gotten over like 10 minutes, he gives you like 10 and 6 and a couple blocks. I mean, he shows you some things. And he didn't play at Kentucky. You know, I'm watching Bam last night. Bam Adebayo, his one year at Kentucky, he played a good amount. He was a starter, he was playing good minutes. Isaiah Jackson was not that. So and Bam has been a terrific pro. He he he's fun really to good. watch. He's
3: their his touch he's kind of their centerpiece. Everything kind of goes through him, right? You know, it, it's a
2: good word to use because he gives it to you on both ends of the floor. I mean, Jimmy Butler would obviously disagree with that, but man, Bam is so effective and the Pacers cannot handle him last night, and
3: then again Butler took over. Do you think Bam's his real name in that third quarter? Did his mom like the Flintstones? What do you think? Do you think he has like a? Do you think uh, it's a Benedict bio. Okay, is that your Mark? Do you have a guess? I know it's not Bam. How do you know this? I
4: just—it's like this is like the UNLV now. I, I, I don't know. Spot. I'm not. I'm gonna Marquette butcher it. But it's like right? Edris or something like that. Does wow Edgar Martinez? Is this a Mark Boyle
2: fact? Edgar and James. I'm looking it up right now. Mar- Mark Boyle's got to be all
4: over it. Does he not have a? Okay, here we go.
2: Thirty-eight for Bam last night. 14 what did you say of 14 so it's like Edris or line. something
4: like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Edris or something. How the hell do you know that? Because I looked it up. I'm like, I was curious too. When did you look that up? When he first got drafted.
3: And you remembered it from then? Do you know his middle name? If you know his middle name, I, I kid you not, I will, I will quit this show right here right oh, now. Well, dude. this Jeez. is high
4: stakes here. Boy, do There's I a lot want online here. Uh, his middle name? I yep. don't. If you
3: knew this, I kid you not. It's Femi.
2: Isn't it a little. I going to
4: say like, yeah. It's
2: a little pot kettle black when you're asking Mark why do you know something when you have <laughs> an absurd. Exer- I don't even know the word. An absurd amount of. Do I rather
3: useless knowledge? I didn't know that I do. How about this though? I was being flippant. At a Bayou, born in Newark, New Jersey, to Nigerian, a Nigerian father, and African American mother. Was given the nickname Bam Bam by his mother while she was watching The Flintstones. That's awesome. I love that. That's pretty awesome. You know he doesn't play the game Bam Bam. Why? No, I, I correct. Got, I mean he's so correct. Skilled. He is very. He is very smooth and uh, and robotic like, but Great effective pick. as hell.
2: Great pick by the Heat. Uh, the other thing to watch out for today. And by the way, Mike is going to join us at eight o'clock. We'll talk some college basketball with him. Scott Agnes ahead of the trade deadline. Scott had a big primer up on the trade deadline and then Zach Kiefer going to join us to talk Colts head coaching search I saw yesterday Adam Schefter reported that Arizona is going to wait until after the Super Bowl I think if Chris Ballard saw that he'd be like yep that sounds like something that makes sense to me so we'll chat with Zach coming up at 9 o'clock Jake do uh, Dwight Freeney and or Reggie Wayne get the call tonight to the Hall of Fame
3: Reggie Wayne feels like he's the closer of the two doesn't it?
2: For any first ballot, um, Wayne has been on the ballot for three years. If I had to make a prediction, unfortunately, I would say neither goes in tonight. I think Wayne deserves it. Um, I get the vibe that whether it's Tory Holt, particular, maybe even Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne's going to have to wait a bit. It, it sounds like people in that room are a little skeptical of his Hall of Fame resume. Again, I thought it was the biggest joke that Marvin Harrison had to wait 3 years to go into the Hall of Fame. But if you look at the names tonight, I mean Joe Thomas, Darrell Revis seem like obvious first balloters. See, I, I I think they round that out here. with
3: I don't think Revis Revis was the best corner in the game for how long? Uh, boy, I'd say at least a handful of years. I mean, I was going to say 3.
2: Ooh, I, boy, he was such a catalyst for the Jets.
3: But then he kind of fell off an island, right? I mean, he fell off a cliff, right? I mean, it's I know just, Revis Island, but he kind of fell off a cliff, I felt like. It's just hard for corners to, I think. It is. That's why Champ Bailey and, and Charles Woodson both it's are so impressive.
2: I, I think Revis deserves, I mean, that those Jets teams would get on playoff runs largely because what he would do in the playoffs. I mean, hell, remember what he did to Reggie Wayne in that playoff game here?
4: Revis was on the Jets from 2007 to 2012, and then he went to the Bucs for one year, the Patriots for one year, and the back back to the Jets for two seasons. I completely forgot that he was That's on the Bucs I mean. and the Patriots.
3: How many first-team All-Pro was? he? I'll here? have to look that
4: up.
2: I think Thomas and Revis get in. I'd round it out, Jake, with Demarcus Ware. Uh, I think Devin Hester deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Agreed. And as I think. Much as I think Reggie Wayne deserves to go in, I I just have this feeling that they'll put Torrey Holton.
4: Revis was a four-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler.
2: That was a pretty good numbers in that a position. T- on the
4: 2010s All-Decade Team. I, I
2: just, if you make an All-Decade Team, you're you're uh, you're a Hall of Famer.
3: That's fair. I, I, to me, it felt like his window wasn't big enough. I'm not saying to not get in, but I mean to be like a slam dunk. You know, to me. A slam dunk means that you are unquestionably the best at your position for eighty percent or more of your career, and for him, it feels like the first forty percent of his career.
2: Out of these names, five will go into the Hall again tonight. NFL Honor Show at nine o'clock. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Tory Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, Terrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas. DeMarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis,
3: Darren Woodson—pretty stock company. And that's the challenge, right?
2: I think some people would try and make a case for Patrick Willis.
3: Torrey Holt's another one that I—I I know he was a great player. I covered him. I mean, I was there when they drafted him. Who's um, more deserving, Holt or Wayne? I, I would say Wayne because Wayne, to me, and I—granted, I was not covering the late Rams years. Holt was a great player, great guy, great player. But he had Isaac Bruce, and then what were his numbers once Bruce retired? Because to me, Reggie Wayne, and they may have they may have been fabulous, you know. I, but to me, Reggie Wayne really cemented himself once Marvin Harrison was gone and Peyton Manning was gone, and Reggie Wayne was the absolute centerpiece of an offense and elevated his game with a rookie quarterback and. An offense turning towards it. Yeah,
2: the 2012 season, Wayne was huge for Andrew Luck in that first year. I think the postseason stats for Reggie Wayne is a huge part of his resume. He's right. Travis Kelsey, what he's done is kind of pushed Reggie down a little bit. But Jake, if you were to look at like most catches in postseason history, I'm pretty sure Reggie's top five. Right. I think that's something that matters a whole lot. But again, the vibe that I've gotten just doesn't sound like he's maybe as highly looked at in that room. As some others. so Hall of Fame announcement coming tonight as we get ready for the
4: Super Bowl. Mark, we're gonna have a prop bet uh, guy on tomorrow. Yep, yep, we'll have him on uh, Friday tomorrow at eight o'clock.
2: I've got a lot. I've got a lot of props that I like.
4: Really? I haven't thrown any money down on the Super Bowl yet. I'm kind of waiting. <laughs> a lot of props and Adam Vinatieri tomorrow, correct? Adam Vinatieri will join us from Arizona
2: uh, on today's show again. Mike DeCorsi, eight o'clock. Scott Agnes, NBA trade de- trade deadline at eight thirty. Zach Kiefer. At 9 o'clock. It is a very nice temperature. Walking to the car, like rather spring-like here on this Thursday morning. It does sound like it's going to be a pretty windy Thursday with some rain potentially in the forecast. Kevin and Query right here on 93.5 on 7.5
3: The Fan. So if you're just joining us, good morning to you. And where have you been? Uh, we've been talking a lot about the NBA trade deadline. 3 o'clock today, but that is not to say that seismic waves were not already sent through the association Oof. last night. Kevin Durant. T.J. Warren, the former Pacer, on their way to the desert. T.J. Warren being reunited with his old club, Kevin Durant, now going to be a Phoenix Sun as the new – I almost said the New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets get Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029. That's the big move. But, you know, Kevin, the funny thing about it is that's the big trade, which means that kind of lost in the shuffle – Russell Westbrook going to the Jazz, Mike Conley going to the Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell going to the Lakers.
2: Yeah, along with D'Angelo Russell, the Lakers get Malik Beasley, a really high-volume shooter. Jared Vanderbilt will give them some length, so some retooling by the Lakers. We'll see what it means, but the West really shifted yesterday, and then, of course, Brooklyn committing big time to the future. So as Jake said, 3 o'clock, the NBA trade deadline. We'll continue to monitor things and get the Pacers' side of it coming up with Scott Agnes in a bit
3: uh scores last night pacers over the heat or excuse me heat over the pacers 116 111 so, uh, uh, eventually this day cool is going to wear off and then i'm really in trouble oh you I mean. went with the morning day cool? well you know I, fitbit says i slept two hours last night uh bam out of bayou 38 points jimmy butler had 25 for the heat indiana going with just nine players in rotation buddy Hield had 29 miles turner with 21 and 10 boards tj mcconnell had 18 elsewhere by the way in the NBA last night Kyrie Irving 24 in his debut as a Dallas Maverick Luka did not play Mavericks over the Clippers 110-104
2: again go back to the Pacers don't understand at all Benedict Mather in just 13 minutes Indiana has now lost 13 of 15 back-to-back coming up this weekend they will see Phoenix Kevin Durant is hurt though so he won't play. That's Phoenix Friday over at GameBridge Fieldhouse, but DeAndre Ayton against Miles Turner. Certainly one to watch. We did not get that in the earlier matchup. And then Saturday in Washington. Uh, tonight, up at Mackey, it will be the Boilermakers back in action against Iowa. Iowa's won three straight. Uh, Tony Perkins, the LN product, had 32 in their last game. Chris Murray continues to be, again, an all-Big Ten type of player for them. Iowa Kind of, you know, right around, probably on the right side of the bubble, but certainly they could use a win like this to cement themselves because they did have a horrible loss in the non-conference. Purdue favored by seven and a half in this one. And the IU women, speaking of Iowa, they got a big one tonight down at Assembly Hall. They've got Caitlin Clark, and for those that are not familiar with her game, she is the talk of the women's game. Uh, kind of like a do-it-all, great shooter, Steph Curry-like. Um so Iowa ranked number five, taking on the number
3: two Hoosiers tonight at They just keep winning though, right? They answer every, they, yes, yep. they answer uh-huh. every challenge, every bell seemingly. Did you
2: see Yukon women lost last night? Did you see the stat on that?
3: First time they lost back to back games in thirty years. Is that right?
2: Nin- nin- yep. Nineteen ninety three. That is remarkable. It's pretty impressive.
3: How do you not have
2: one of your best players get hurt for two games, and you know you Correct. lose to like Notre Dame and do I, I, I have no idea. Like UConn plays a loaded schedule. Um, yeah, just a wild, wild stat. All right, Mike DeCourse is going to join us at the top of the hour to talk about the college basketball scene right now. We come back, we'll get more into the trade deadline. Kevin Pritchard's comments. Will the Pacers be active today? Uh, we'll chat about that next here. Kevin
3: DeCoursey.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling one 800 That's one 800 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
2: Chick when I saw the Kevin Durant news 1 a.m. last night, in the Russell Westbrook earlier, I thought, man, I thought that was an opportunity to where Indiana could get themselves involved as a third team. I know the Durant trade wasn't a third team. Right. The Westbrook one was. But when you talk about activity for the Pacers here coming up, NBA <laughs> trade deadline at 3 o'clock, I don't think either of us expect anything you know, massive. Obviously, Miles Turner's contract extension plays into that. But outside of the surplus you have at the center position, which that log jam, if you can, I think you have to try and move one of those. Um, again, Chris Duarte would be a name that I would dangle out there. That is where I thought the Pacers could get involved because they've got, but you know, about 10 million in cap space right now. Um, again, they've got you know four picks in the top. Thirty-two, I think it is right now. 31, maybe. So they've got some pieces to get involved if they want to. But I thought that would be a potential avenue. Very a la what they did a few years ago with James Harden, Victor Oladipo, and Karis LeBert.
3: Let me give you a name. I don't think if the Pacers are going to make any deal, I don't think it's going to be a big one. Right? I think we know that. You know, they've got... Goga Batase, and I don't think they would trade TJ McConnell. I'm I'm I would be stunned if they did. They've got a, a a bevy of picks that they could turn. But if they make a move, you know, do you remember one year, who was the backup point guard, Kevin, that the Pacers traded for at the trade deadline? Oh, gosh. And, and you know, and it wasn't a huge deal. CJ Watson, Rodney Stuckey. No, they traded um, two Phoenix for somebody. Which one? Am, what am I thinking of? Gosh, Phoenix.
2: I'm thinking Tory Craig.
3: wasn't Tory Craig. Watson that's thing? it. Tory Craig. He, he was like a forward. Is that what he was? No, is that who it was? Anyway, my point being, I, it is not unprecedented that the Pacers make a, a really minor move that you're like, eh, okay, right? Right.
2: I think Craig, wasn't it born for, or, uh, I, it was Jalen Smith, right? Torrey Craig to it. Phoenix, that's got exactly Jalen Smith right. back. That's exactly yeah. right.
3: And that wasn't like a huge deal, right? But let me give you a name. Somebody just sent this to me, and I totally agree with it. Now, this is not some earth-shattering thing, but the kind of move I could see them making today. A guy that I have loved in the NBA. I love this guy's game but he is the perfect player for exactly what Indiana needs, exactly what they need. If I'm the Pacers, I send, I don't know what the the demand would be, but part of the big deal for Phoenix sends Jay Crowder to the Nets, and the Nets apparently want to turn around and immediately flip him. I've watched that guy play so many places where he is the perfect player final piece towards teams cementing and growing he is the he is the man in the room i think he can play for the colts he sets a tone absolutely it is exactly what indiana needs exactly i'm not saying he's a flashy player i'm not saying it would even make the espn.com headlines yeah but that's the kind of little auxiliary move That I could see them making today, if the if the Pacers are going to be in the trade game, it's going to be for a little thing like that.
2: Yeah, I think in a perfect world, you would find some like a little bit of a younger version of Crowder.
3: I I I get that he is in the twilight for sure. I love
2: Crowder, but I mean he is north of thirty, and he does seem like he's a guy that is at this point he's like on the PJ Tucker path. Um, Great buddy of mine, Zach Rosenberg, said, "Are you thinking of Leandro Barbosa?"
3: Forgot about Leandro Barbosa.
2: Boy, I'll tell you what. There were some times where I thought he might have, he might have had a, he might have had a little pregame uh, PED if you know what I mean. With how wild he was out on the floor, that man was nuts. I loved watching him play. He had a neon green light. A neon green light. Uh-huh. Okay. Neon green light. Uh, the Pacers do have a full roster. It's something to note. So if they are going to bring in a player, an extra player. They would have to waive somebody, again, around $10 million in cap space. If you look at their draft picks currently, they have, they are now up to six. This is the highest they've been probably since the first week of the season. They are up to sixth in the draft order. Um <laughs> It's a pretty jumbled like 6-8, through eight, but that's where they're at right now. And then their other picks in the first round currently are 26th and 30th. That would be from Cleveland and Boston, respectively. And then they get the first pick in the second round right now. Houston has the worst record in the league. There's a stipulation with that pick that if Houston has, I think, the worst or the second worst record, Indiana gets that pick. So that's the Andrew Nemhard slot. So you've got four in the top 31 right now. And again, sitting at sixth in the lottery, if you look at their free agency picture coming up this offseason, the fact that Miles Turner has been re-signed, their only notable free agent is O'Shea set uh, Goga is a restricted free agent. I'm not sure if you could trade Goga for a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. Right I,
3: I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that's... that's cool Ranch or nacho cheese? <laughs> I had... Cool Ranch the other day for the first time in like five years. Have you ever noticed if you eat in Cool Ranch, if you eat enough of them, they, they you get like a like does your mouth it kind of like cap and crunch It like kind of nicks up your mouth. I don't know. Like I get like a weird I, I don't maybe sensation was, on my taste buds. That like it ruins your
4: the roof of your mouth gets just was that the shred? shingles vaccine
2: having it's, a the shingles vaccine I think is still hanging around. I like kind of admiring the Cool Ranch chip for a minute or two, looking at the different spices yeah, yeah, yeah. that you see on the chip. I think it's great artwork. I have nothing else. Um, I know this audio is, I guess, what now, Mark? A week old? A little yeah. bit over a week. Mm-hmm. But it's the last time we've heard from Kevin Pritchard. This was at the Miles Turner press conference early last week. Here was Kevin Pritchard when asked about the upcoming trade deadline.
7: There's two ways that you can go into a, a trade deadline. Can you get better now or keep growing organically? And You know, we really like what we see from this team right now. And we see a lot of players blossoming from... You know our young players to to you know Buddy having a great year and um, Andrew having a great year. Uh, we, we we just we like what we're seeing with growth. And sometimes you get in a situation where it's easy to look out everywhere else and say, well, well, there's an answer there, or an answer there, and, and there might be. But um, my goal is to watch these guys grow and. Um, and I'm really enjoying it out of my, you know, many years in this league, I'm enjoying this team as much as I've ever enjoyed any team. And it's because they play the right way, they play hard and they're super competitive every day. And, and there's another thing that I kind of believe that this team has kind of gotten, I see them all the time, you know, having an inter dialogue with each other. And you know, they banter back and forth, they get mad at each other, but it's never taken personally. And, 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 and that, to me, is a foundation for a lot of success going forward because our best basketball isn't this year. I, I think we're going to get better every month, get tie back. We'll get better every month. And, you know, if we need to make changes at that point in time in the summer, we'll look at it. But um, we're, we're opportunistic. Um, but I like what I see. I really do like what I see right now.
3: Kevin, I look at that. They're in a good position, quite frankly. They're not a great team. They're 25 wins. They're young. They're really, really, really young. But
2: I think they've lost three or four, by the way, since Pritchard's comments. I just want to make sure that we throw a little bit of context around But I that. think
3: we know that there's, to his point, I think we know that there are good pieces that, that play well together and that... And I'm going to be accused here of being a guy looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. I get that. And probably guilty as charged, at least in this area. And most, not so much. But this is a roster and a franchise that, with the exception of some minor tweaks, which is inevitable, but it really does feel like the way this team is built, the only thing that separates them from where they are and where they need to be is time. Yeah, the, the, it, you could always use a couple of additions yeah, I, here or there. I'd throw pieces along there. I, I mean, with, of course, but that time. comes in time is what I'm saying. Like, like for example, let, let me rephrase what I'm saying there. I think we know they could use a long, You know what do they call it, D and three player. A, guy, a wing, quite frankly, a Paul George. A wing that can shut off lanes on the wing and hit threes offensively. That's probably their missing piece. a Paul George, or to put it in pacer terms that people you know, can relate to, um, a Derek McKee, Paul George player. But they have three first round picks to play with. So that comes in time this year. Like, be patient, kids. Christmas is coming. And so I don't know that you need to blow up any of the major cores, what I'm getting,
2: yeah, at. i I would agree whole wholeheartedly. I mean, my my thoughts on Buddy Shield, Buddy Shield. Uh, I feel like I'm the NFL talking about the shield. That's right. Uh, Buddy Heald have shifted greatly. I mean, he's a guy that I think is important to you and I think can be important to you past this season. Um, so, yes, I have shifted that. I want them to be very open-minded today. I want them to answer all the calls out there. I don't think anyone you know, falls in the... Well, I guess Halliburton and Matherin, but I don't think anyone else falls in the untouchable category. I'm not expecting massive moves, because you do. I mean, you're in a great position coming up in the draft. I'm just I'm a little frustrated about last night and the trend that we've seen recently with more so Isaiah Jackson, but in the last week, the lack of playing time for Benedict Matherin when, again, he had scored over 20 points in five straight games. I mean... Kevin Pritchard said it right there, Jake. We need to watch this group grow. Last night, you stunted some of that. And I get as
4: you're,
2: when you're a coach, you probably live very much in the short term, and you're trying to win that game right here and right now. But one thing that I said earlier that I will repeat again, and Benedict Matherin deserves a lot of credit for this, he has shown time and time again in his rookie season, one bad quarter usually means one great quarter. He does not let a bad quarter, bad half, bad game carry into the next quarter, half. And last remember? night, when you scored under fifty in the second half, were desperate for scoring, had no answer for Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo in matching them from a point standpoint. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a big mistake keeping Matherin on the bench. Season low by far, thirteen minutes for him.
3: Do you remember when Andrew Luck was coming out of Stanford? what the narrative was about Andrew Luck in college when he threw an interception?
2: He'd go make the tackle.
3: That, that's number one, yeah. That probably two, that probably were like eventually. Uh, let's, let's try to limit that. But the there was some stat when he came out of Stanford of like 70% of the possessions after an interception, Andrew Luck led a scoring drive. And the big thing about him was he has no, he, he's a goldfish, Ted Lasso, he's a goldfish. He doesn't remember. He he puts it in the rearview mirror. Yeah, great amnesia, right? Right. And that's what Matherin, to your point, feels like.
2: Which, and again, is odd to me why he
3: wasn't out there. Short-term and long-term. Long-term speaks for itself, but even short-term, Jake... Kevin, day- the, the one thing about games like last night that I think are frustrating as a fan, and I don't know for a fact this is what happened last night, pretty good suspicion, and that is that there are going to be games where the end result of getting a W is secondary towards a longer-term vision of trying pieces or trying different experiments in the lab. And they know what Benedict Matherin is. They know what he can do. So it was last night a game where they said, you know what, we love Benedict Matherin and what he can do, but we've really got to... I'm really curious to see how, you know, if in fact they're getting ready to trade a, you know... Pieces A or B, I want to see how this combination plays together because they had asked me to to see how these two guys look on the floor together, etc. I, I don't, I don't know that it got that nuanced, but I'm just saying, I don't think we can rule out that there are going to be games this year that are literally like combination experiments to see what is what works and what doesn't.
2: Yeah, it felt like last night was a pretty good opportunity, Jake, for a couple of reasons. Again, Matherin and Halliburton have not been on the floor, especially as of late, injury wise with Halliburton, you know, for a ton of long, long stretches. So I think that is an important part of these final 20 games because that is your, you know, backcourt ish of the future right there. I also think Matherin getting his butt kicked a few times by Jimmy Butler, I think that'd be pretty good for him. There were some moments in that game where Butler was chirping. Jimmy Butler was doing Jimmy Butler type things. And knowing how Matherin's wired and knowing how some people have, and I understand where the comp comes from, have kind of thrown out a Jimmy Butler potential comp for Matherin. I think kind of exposing him to that, you know, kind of riling him up to that, would also have been beneficial. And I don't think this is just one game. Maybe it is, but you look at the Lakers game last week. Yeah, and that was I think the second fewest amount of minutes he's played in a game this season. So I definitely do not want to see that trend continue.
3: Let me let me ask you this real quick, Kev. What player would you say if Benedict Matherin is on the floor, he is probably on the floor at the cost of minutes to who? Mark,
2: would you play that Carlisle Matherin? Uh some combination of the backcourt. Smith
3: healed mcconnell duarte okay duarte duarte last night gets 20 minutes again i'm throwing darts but is it possible that indiana knows that they're probably not going to make a move at the deadline but if they are that duarte is a piece they might get to sweeten to to trade out let's say that they say we want to trade one of our picks to, you know, to move from 28th to 15th or something like that. So we'll dangle that pick plus a Duarte. Is it possible that they said, let's give Duarte a lot of minutes and see what he can do as a last push and a last sales offer to somebody who wants to see how he's playing? Sure. See where his health is. Sure.
2: What about Pension Aaron Neesmith? When he's playing 30 minutes and shooting three of nine, and yeah, he fouls that, out—that's
3: that's hard to argue too. That you that know, would also be one that is you would have to consider.
2: I just think there are some other avenues you could go there. Um, here was Rick Carlisle, by the way, last night on Benedict Matherin's lack of minutes.
7: Yeah, it's just coach's decision, you know. Other guys were going good, so that's it.
2: Well, okay. Short, sweet
3: maybe you know, not that's, sweet maybe
2: sour actually sure he's a fan sour. Of,
3: he's a fan and friend of Bruce Hornsby so basically what he just said right there was that's just the way it is you know
2: Jake the Pacers are sixth in the Tankathon can you dial that oh, up yeah. for let us?
3: Me, let me do that. Yes, thank you. That's one of our favorite things we do on this program.
2: We were asked that. Listener texted me, said, "Need a tankathon? This is the highest we the do. Pacers have been in we, quite some time." We do
3: two things on this program, Mark. As you know, we do the tankathon, and then the other thing we do, which is the theme of the show, is educate and entertain. That is correct. Yes,
4: I thought it was a peacock sound. <laughs> well, we can do that too if you'd like,
2: or the upper or the quartile bobcat?
3: sound. <laughs> no, we can't do that. Oh, Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, upper quartile peacock sounds. Rare uh, air of peacock. <laughs>
3: That's the peacocks. How right. are the peacocks doing this year, Mark? Will you look that up? I, I need to look that up. That's the St. Mary's peacocks. What? Uh, St. Peter's? Peter's. Or, what are you talking? You have a I told t-shirt. you. Uh, St. Mary's, of course, would oh, beat Indiana. I told you I'm wacky on the Nyquil.
4: St. Peter's uh, nine and thirteen on the season. Just gotten
3: Look at that. You found that quick. Well, you what's Seton Hall doing?
4: Because that's St. where he went.
3: Yeah.
2: She and Holloway. They had a lot of transfers. Remember, Seton uh,
4: Hall is fifteen and nine. Remember, Doug got an NIL deal. Just lost a Creighton. That's right, seventy-five, sixty-two last night. You got the Tankathon. I do have the Tankathon. Twelfth
2: place in the East, sixth right now in the Tankathon standings.
3: Clears, throat> Jake clears his throat. He's ready to go here with the seventh pick and the two thousand twenty-three NBA mock draft. The Indiana Pacers select. Cam Whitmore from Villanova University. Mm. <laughs> By the way, scrolling down a little bit throughout this process. I'm not seeing him now. Oh, wait a minute. This, this has both rounds. Now, see, this this doesn't update. I'm, they have Trace Jackson Davis now going 51st to Minnesota.
2: No sign of Jalen Jafina
3: though? And that... I wonder if they can't put, like, freshmen in unless they've gotten clear. I, I don't know. Surely they can. You got Zach Eady going to the Celtics at 60.
2: Cam Whitmore was a name that um, Alex Golden mentioned with us yesterday. So.
3: Jalen hood Shafino right now, I can tell you, is a first-round pick. I would
2: be very content if the Pacers spent one of those late first-round picks on hood Shafino.
3: You'd be very what?
2: Very content with
3: it. Yeah. Good. Good, I, I, good I agree. Thing. I mean, he, he he has offensively not found much stability or consistency yet, but you can see the body control and the size and the speed. He's going to be a player. Uh,
2: all right, Mike DeCorsi. Talk Low College Basketball coming up.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
6: Today.
3: Next. It's not exactly tropical outside, but the good news is it's a warm start to the morning on a Thursday. Good morning to you, Jake Query, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Man in the controls for us. It's Kevin and Query, which it took months of consulting to come up with that name, here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, he is a favorite guest of the program. He is the dean of college basketball writers who... Pretty much saw when the kid was like 15 years old. He wrote a column about LeBron James and said, "Uh, This guy's pretty good. And that's just one of the areas where Mike DeCourcy can lean on showing his expertise when it comes to the game of basketball. Mike, appreciate the time. I'm going to begin with this for you right out of the box. And that is obviously Purdue is fantastic. Um, By the way, Sporting News and Big Ten Network for Mike DeCourcy. Purdue is fantastic. Houston, I love the way they defend. Alabama is very athletic, but if you were to look at, let's say, the upper echelon of teams in college basketball this year, is there a clear-cut top three to five and then separation, or is there pretty good parity throughout the top, let's say, 10, 15 teams?
1: Well, I I think that on the best days, the teams that you mentioned uh, are extraordinary. But, I mean, we've seen Alabama have... You know, one, maybe one of the worst days that any top team, any team that has been ranked that high, and uh, not that I'm big on the rankings, but or high on the mock brackets. Uh, it, it, Alabama's game at Oklahoma was almost historic. I mean, I've never seen a team that, that, that has that level of accomplishment in a season go out and get beaten that badly by a mediocre to bad team. I, maybe it's, it's hard to say bad, but they're all... In a very difficult league, uh, they're getting buried, and uh, so to go out to Oklahoma and be put down by thirty and, and scramble back to lose by twenty-three or twenty-four, so I, 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 it's a hard it's a hard thing to trust most of the better teams. I mean, Houston lost to a Temple team at home, a Temple team that's nowhere near the NCAA tournament. I mean, they won't even let them buy tickets. That's how far Temple is from this, um, and so I, it's it's hard to trust the best teams, with the exception of Purdue. Again, Mike De- Purdue lost to anybody that can't play.
2: Apologies, Mark, uh, Mike. Sorry, to interrupt there. Uh, Mike DeCorsi is with us. Sporting News, again, Big Ten Network. Kind of on that note, and I know obviously you you do some bracketology stuff. Right now, how big of a gap would you say Purdue has? From falling to a two seed, I mean, it seems like they are the clear-cut number one overall seed when you consider all their wins, particularly away from home, uh, and just outright
1: road wins too. I think to to fall off the number one seed line, they would probably have to lose three games, three times. And I'm not talking about three times between now and and uh, selection Sunday. I'm saying three times in the regular, three more times in the regular season. And that would maybe put them in jeopardy of falling to the two-line. But remember, while they're losing three, and that's a theoretical thing, people. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. But while they're losing three, probably the, the teams that are on the two-line trying to climb, well, they're already probably going to lose three anyway. So it's really hard for me to envision Purdue falling off that one line. It would take an absolute collapse. And they're not going to collapse. It's a terrific team uh, with a terrific coach, that's not to say they're not going to get beat here or there down the rest of the way. But they are not collapsing; they're too good.
3: Mike, when I was a kid, the narrative was always to win in the NCAA tournament. You got to have good guards. Indiana's going to win because they have good guards. You know that was always the narrative, and, and maybe I was just being brainwashed by like the the Indiana culture. But I think there was a lot of truth to that. But basketball now has become obviously more positionless than it was say 30 years ago is there still a specific blueprint that seems to work better than others when it comes to march or is it a matter of simply our athletes have gelled better over the years than yours you know, I'll be honest with you. I
1: never bought the idea that you have to have quote good guards. My, I always said you had to have good everything. Yeah, I mean, you, you just, it just—it was you know, Jimmy Black won an NCAA championship. I wrote a whole column about this last year. Jimmy Black won, won an NCAA championship as a point guard. Now he averaged like six and a half points a game. Uh, now his teammates were Michael Jordan and James Worthy, so it helps to have a couple Hall of Famers on your team. But they, they, you know, those guys, James Worthy wasn't a guard. He was a power forward. So I, I always thought that that was overplay. That was a big Denny Crum thing. That's what he always used to say. Um, and meanwhile, Purvis Ellison won him an Astros. Yeah, I mean, you've got
3: you got Patrick Ewing. They could probably have Mike DeCoursey and Jake Quarry in the backcourt, right?
1: Yeah. It, 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 they never really had great guard play with Patrick, and maybe that's why they didn't win more than one. But they had they had very good players at every position, and you still have to to an extent. I mean, look at last year kansas ends up winning the national championship largely because david mccormick who was not a great college basketball player uh, it was a very you know a very up and down career uh, kansas fans were constantly on him but he's a 6 11 center and at the end of the national championship game in which again uh, otay Abadji was terrific at times and uh, and uh, christian brown was good at times and, But at the end of the day, it was uh, David McCormick who was not a great college player who made the biggest plays and won them the championship. So I think you have to have terrific players. Here's what you have to have. First of all, you have to be really good on both offense and defense. So you go to Ken Palm and you look, and if your team isn't in the ballpark of top 20 in both of those categories, you're probably losing some time. If you look at... You have to have a really good point guard. Now, he can beat Jimmy Black, who just distributes the ball, or he can be um, Jalen Brunson, who dominates. He, you have to have good wing play because you have to be able to defend, and you have to be able to keep the ball out of the lane, which is usually the function of really good defensive wings. And you have to have somebody that can get the ball into the lane and, and make plays. And that's that's maybe the most important thing. Is that you have to have somebody who can do something that the opposition can't take away, that they can scheme and defend and, and figure out all this stuff that you do well, but then eventually somebody who, like a Jalen Brunson or, uh, or I'm trying to think of a good example, um, uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who can just take the ball and go and make something happen that a defense that doesn't, doesn't have the ability to stop.
2: Again, Mike DeCorsi's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You find Mike's work or in Sporting News, Big Ten Network as well. I was saying to Jake a little bit earlier, Mike, and you know, when you just said that, you know, Purdue can, you know, have several losses and still be on that one line and when you look at the geographic regions, there's probably a good chance Purdue gets slotted into that kind of Columbus-Louisville first and second round Sweet 16 Elite Eight. So they they have a little room to play with. So I feel like it wouldn't be the worst thing here in the month of February, Mike, for at some point, Zach Eady just gets an awful whistle one night. And he gets two fouls in the first half, and he's got four somewhat early in the second half. Because inevitably, if you're going to make a run all the way to Houston to the Final Four, you're probably going to have a night where Zach Eady plays 26, 28 minutes uh, do you think that would be something that would be well served for Purdue to experience this month? Because he really hasn't been in foul trouble all
1: year. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point. Uh, so, so you're saying so that everybody else gets a run without him out there? Is that the idea? So they get used to that?
3: Yeah, yeah. just to kind of get to right. understand, so they're not looking around. You know what I mean? Like, what happened? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's. I I, I think there there could be some value to that, sure, uh, because the reason that they. The, you know the main reason they lost to St. Peter's last year was they did look, they didn't play well. Jaden didn't play well. Um, but the number one reason they lost uh, was that St. Peter's was allowed to basically do whatever to zach and and as a result, he wasn't able to be at all effective. I mean, he was poor in that game because he wasn't able to do anything. Uh, he, it, it, one of the reasons he's having the year he's having. And and I know some IU fans don't want, got mad at me for saying this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but one of the reasons he's having the season he's having is he's being officiated fairly. He's just because he's seven foot more doesn't mean you can do anything. And in that game against San Peters, that was the whole thing. If you go back and watch how he was defended against Texas, and where they fouled out like five guys, because Texas figured we got five big guys, so why not use them all? And and but because they. Because they fouled those guys out and put those guys in foul trouble, Purdue won. And then they go against St. Peters, and those guys, their their defenders were able to pretty much handle Zach however they wanted, and it completely changed Purdue's ability to be effective. So I I do think that coming into this tournament, it would be helpful for them to understand what happens if that happens. But I don't think that the Big Ten is oriented toward that. I think they've been – pretty well instructed on how to officiate him for all the criticism that big 10 officials get um they have handled him really properly all the way through the conference season so i don't think that's
3: going to change mike de is our guest he's on the of cigarettes hotline you can see him of course on big 10 network you can read him on sporting news mike when you look at this year give me a team <clears throat> give me a team not in the top five so I'm not talking Purdue, Houston hell even Arkansas when they're healthy is really good but they've obviously fallen off a cliff but give me a team that it's entirely possible in the second week of the NCAA tournament we're going to see them there and you're going to go you know what that makes sense because they were consistently really good all season long yet nobody talked about them
1: well I, I think that if healthy TCU could be that team they are really dynamic. They can run. Uh, they've, got, they've got that great guard play, uh, but they have to be healthy. Uh, Damian Baugh's been playing uh, a lot, uh, but he's been playing without Mike Miles, who's their best player and their best guard. Uh, he he uh, twisted his knee down at Mississippi State, and they've lost, I think, three times since then. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Lampkin, their big guy, who's one of those big body big guys who can really move for a player his size – and is really effective around the goal because of his size and is really skilled away from it. He hasn't played lately, so I think when healthy they'll you know they they are trending toward a four or a five now because they haven't been able to to be successful without those guys uh, so that, that's a that's a team that because of the injuries and that sort of thing that they could they could really be up there. Creighton's another Ah, uh, Creighton, in part because of their schedule, just hasn't provided them a lot of great opportunities uh, it, since the, since the they played in Maui and uh, they played some some good Big East teams. I mean, they got Xavier at home, for instance, and beat them pretty handily. Uh, that's a team with a lot of offensive ability and one of the best two-way centers, probably the best two-way center in college basketball, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who is masterful at running pick and roll on offense. Is Really nimble on defense with his size and length. Uh, that's a team that could be really dangerous. And I don't know where they're going to wind up seed wise. Eventually, they'll start to play the better teams in their league. Uh, they'll, they'll more of the better teams in their league. Uh, they, I think they still have games against Creighton. And, uh, excuse me, against Marquette and Providence. And we'll start to see them climb the seed lines a little bit. It's
2: Mike DeCorsi. He's with us. You can see his written work over on Sporting News and then on uh, Big Ten Network as well as put this here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mike, you know, we sit here on February 9th, and probably the conversation we're having about Indiana is pretty similar to what we would have had on November 9th, of this is a team capable of making a second weekend type of run, yet it's been such a roller coaster. Some injuries have played into that, but it's been such an up-and-down year. Um, how would you kind of describe your feelings about Indiana with a month ago in the regular season?
1: I think almost all of their problems have been injury-induced. You go back to Trace being banged up early in the year and not being the player that you see now who, is, who, is, who would be 1A if he had played this whole year like this. He would be 1A behind Zach. Instead, he's probably a solid 2 or 3 now. But think about where he came from. When I did my midseason All-America team, and that was maybe three weeks ago, he wasn't on it. 15 guys, and he wasn't there. And I certainly knew, you know, it's not like I'm not aware of who Trace is, but he hadn't, he hadn't performed quite well enough to do that. He'd had a couple of good games. Uh, he, he was starting to get healthy again. Uh, and then the team was out of the picture at that point as well. So I, he wasn't on the 15-man team. Now, I, I, if I were voting today for first-team all America, he'd be, like I said, second or third name I'd write down. Uh, that's, how, that's how much of a difference health has meant for him. And then you look at the the absence of Jalen Hood Shafino when they went to Rutgers and some of the er- other early losses. Uh, the pre- the current absence of Xavier Johnson and how Jalen, once back, had to basically completely adju- readjust his game. Uh, they you know they remember they spent all of the preseason exp- you know basically training Jalen to play off the ball. Now he had the ball in his hands at times. It was a it was an either-you-or-me kind of situation, but it was mostly Xavier who ran the point. Uh, and so he had to completely adjust to being ball-dominant for 36 minutes a game or so. And that completely changed his role. So all that stuff combined, and then not, not to mention the, the uh, injury to Race Thompson halfway through the Iowa game, all of that has ganged up on them probably more than just about any team out there. So for them to be playing like this now, I think this is how they would have been the entire year if they hadn't been injured the, the, uh, the whole way. And they would be looking at, I mean, they would be contending with Purdue for the Big Ten title. still think Purdue's better and would probably win it, but they'd be contending instead of just trying to get into the, you know, one of those uh, top four seed lines uh, on the uh, Big Ten bracket so they don't have to play three games or excuse me, so they only have to play three games. I I think that this is who they are to an extent, although they still now, when Xavier gets healthy, they're going to have to reintroduce him to the lineup, and that's not always an easy process. Not for Xavier in particular, but for any elite player, uh, any any starting player who's usually a a 30-plus-minute-a-game person. uh, You have to decide what you're going to do. Do you put him back out there in the starting lineup and play him 30-some do you gradually put him in there, uh, which obviously impacts him? There's a lot of difficult decisions to be made once he's healthy.
3: You know, Mike, the NIL has changed things so much. Is there a chance? I'm not saying right now that it even would be in the forefront of his mind. But when it comes down to it with NIL money and etc., is there a chance Trace Jackson Davis plays a fifth year at Indiana?
1: there's a chance certainly I, in, in in the limited conversations I've had with him. I never got the sense that that was in the plan. I think that he's getting to the point now where he's showing the NBA, I can play in your league and I can play well in your league. And it's, I, I think we're, we're less at the point of, I don't know whether he'll get drafted in the first round or whatever. I certainly would once I got to a certain point, take him, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that this morning, Cam Johnson from, uh, from Phoenix, just got traded for Kevin Durant. He's one of multiple players in the package. But when he was drafted, they I think he was 10th overall. The mock draft people like harangued Phoenix for taking a player who was a senior that high in the draft. And Phoenix said, yeah, but he makes every three-point shot he takes. And hes got, he's got like, in, in, in five or six years, he's got like 550 career threes and he just got traded for Kevin Durant. So it, it, I don't think the fact that Trace is a senior is a problem. That he doesn't shoot the ball well from deep, eh, that's a problem. And it's, and it's going to keep him from being a star in the league. But if you're one of the good teams and you can get a guy who can guard like he does, who can pass like he does, who can handle the basketball in space, who can guard in space, I, I, don't, see, I don't understand how a, a good team would pass him just to you know, take somebody who's, a, who's played one year and maybe might sort of kind of be a, a prospect.
2: Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, Big Ten Network, at TSN Mike on Twitter. Mike, appreciate the time this morning. Hopefully uh, we can have you on, certainly before the tourney starts.
1: Oh, you guys, man, you know I'm, I'm there for you when you need me. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Jake. Love appreciate it. Thank it. you,
2: Mike. That's Mike DeCourcy right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, you brought this up about a little over a week ago. It is quite the statement to make when the two best players in college basketball this season are in West Lafayette and Bloomington. It's unbelievable, yeah. And and
3: listen... Two big guys that play very different games. Yeah, and the gap between the two, man, I mean, one of them's been great all year, and the other one is... It is impressive what Jackson Davis has done. Really impressive.
2: Uh, Purdue's got Iowa tonight. Again, Indiana with Michigan coming up. I saw Michigan's got a couple of COVID issues with their staff. We'll see if that trickles into the players at all that is a six o'clock tip from Ann Arbor obviously Hunter Dickinson the matchup there Michigan won in Assembly Hall last year and then you know when you think about games that turned Indiana's season around or just the Mike, how we looked at year one Jake remember the Big Ten game where Michigan's up 15 or 20 on Indiana if Indiana loses that game they don't make the tournament yeah all of a sudden everything flips in that second well, half that, you're right And Indiana beats Michigan, beats Illinois on Curbelo, missing the layup there at the end. And Indiana gets in the play-in. And then you just look at the season much, much differently. So that will be the matchup for the Hoosiers as they get back on the road coming up Saturday evening. All right, let's hit a morning check down before we talk NBA trade deadline with Scott (laughs) Egg.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
3: I'm going to start with a little college round ball. Scores from last night around the state. It was Georgia Tech, 70-68 over Notre Dame.
2: Did you see the end?
3: No, I I, I hate to tell you. I wasn't locked into the 9-15 oh. rambling wreck and the 10-14 Irish. Are you saying you have a life? Did you watch the end? Hell yeah, I watched the whole game. Did you wear like the, game. Watched the whole game. Recorded. I had that game. on my
2: phone and had the Pacers on the TV. Okay. What tip, happened to the tip into the
3: buzzer? Uh, it's too bad. Georgia
2: it, I think Georgia Tech had lost 9 straight at home. Courtstorm. <coughs> there were 300 people there. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh-huh. It was pathetic. How is Josh Pastner still at Georgia Tech?
3: That is a really good question because they're 2 and 12 in the ACC, 9 and 15 overall. Snap the 9 i Ron Hunter. And, not uh not a bad call there. Ron Hunter, who's at Tulane, his old school IEPY last night, a uh, little bit short against Wright State. 10371, Wright State wins. Jags fall to four and twenty-two. They are 0 and eleven on the road. Indiana State, eighty-four sixty-two over Valpo. Seventeen and nine now for the Trees. They're ten and five in the Moval. And Evansville getting a win, snapping a twelve-game losing streak. They beat Northern Iowa 71-59 ah, was last watching? night. Juge was probably wearing her Purple Aces t-shirt. <laughs> well,
2: if Notre Dame can't win, I'm glad Juge could celebrate last night. That's right. big win
3: for the alma mater. Juge, my sister, a U of E grad, by the way, for those not familiar.
2: Last night in Miami, the Pacers lose 116-111. It was a poor start, a great second quarter thanks to T.J. McConnell. And then Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo dominated in the second half. The Pacers have now gone... A full month and a half without winning a road game. Jake, I was looking at this. They're at Washington Saturday. That's the last road game between now and the All-Star break. They don't play another road game after Saturday until February 25th. So if they were to lose Saturday to Washington, you will have gone two months and two days without a road victory. That's got to be one of the longest streaks in franchise history. Yeah, I mean... Again, Washington on Saturday night seems somewhat
3: there's, there's gettable. A, Scotty Scotty Johnston makes up the schedule for us, right? And if they lose, it's a dark blue line, and if they win, it's a yellow line. Uh, it, it's like a huge navy block yeah. on the right-hand column here, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Looks like you're walking into Old Navy,
3: pretty much. Yes,
2: I'm a fan of Old Navy. By the way, do you like Old Navy? Yeah, the Glendale one has gotten some of my business.
3: What about the? They have one. That's up in- where
2: I made the mistake. I told you guys I bought the kid sweater for my wife for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> just so intimidated, just quickly grabbed it and ran. Well, not ran out of the store, ran to the checkout and then purchased.
3: Do you know what I like about Old Navy is you can go in there, you can spend not very much money and get like a decent amount of stuff, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I like. Right? Yeah, uh, I've complained enough about Benedict Matherin's lack of playing time last night. Pacers got the Suns coming up on Friday. Kevin Durant <laughs> hurt, though. We'll talk NBA trade deadline uh, coming up, and then tonight Purdue has got iowa from mackey seven and a half point favorite iowa has won three in a row they haven't really beat anybody too much of substance there i think they did beat illinois at home that was when iowa brought out the boys and girls club of like cedar rapids for that game did you see that to kind of troll the illinois student section troll the orange
4: crush yeah yeah (laughs) i
2: laughed did
3: you hear that whole story there's a whole thing about it the orange crush is a little bit annoying right
2: well, remember they tried to get tickets to the game
3: at that's right. And they, they
2: Iowa via their boys and girls club. That's right. So yeah, I think it was like the Cedar Rapids Boys and Girls Club that's honored at halftime or something. Pretty awesome. I love it. Fran McCaffrey get a technical at the twelve minute mark of the first half or the eight minute mark that of the dude's first half tonight. Out of
3: his mind. Compl- Speaking of out of his mind, by the way, Kyrie Irving last night twenty four for the Mavericks in his debut with Dallas.
2: I mean, literally guarding Zach Eady and Fran on the sideline. He, ha- I mean, it's got to be what minus four hundred odds on him getting a technical tonight.
3: He's got like a zero to 60 instantly, right? He does. Short, short, short. Mottman moves, to probably say least. could stand to <laughs> drop his business card off to Fran McCaffrey.
2: Yeah. I had up 65 tonight. Yeah. I heard you saying that. <laughs> a seven o'clock tip again from Mackey. All right, let's talk NBA trade deadline. Scott Agnes joins us next.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
3: Halfway through the 8 o'clock hour, meaning halfway through the program for us.
4: Our workday half over, Mark. Your thoughts? Love it. Can't complain. Going to celebrate National Pizza Day, I think. Is that what today is? I
2: feel like we have that like six times a year.
4: I'm not complaining. I'm I'm not complaining
2: at all. Do you think today Scott Agnes just has like a slow IV of coffee in his veins? I'm his morning wake-up call usually. Well, today, I mean, Kevin Durant news broke what? 1 a.m.? Yeah. You can't nap on a day like today.
3: By the way, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I didn't know it's National Pizza Day. But when I was in between gigs, and I did a uh, thing partnered with Wheeler Mission, 30 lunches in 30 days, where I just met with different people who were going through homelessness and profiled it to try to raise awareness about homelessness in Indianapolis, Um, with no solicitation from me whatsoever, Hotbox Pizza called and said, you know what, we want to provide pizzas every single day to the homeless for 30 straight days for you. So if you are considering today where to get your Mm. pizza, there are several great options in Indianapolis. But consider the generosity and upfront of Hot Box Pizza.
2: Yes, that is great, tremendous work by them. I um, do love Donatos as well. Fucking throw that. Yeah, the it. only
3: problem with that is the more you eat, it, it, like I just I keep eating it. Well, it's not a bad thing. You know, what I mean it's, it is good. Um, joining us now on the Payless Stickers Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so on this day where essentially he can't really kick up the feet for another six and a half hours because trade deadline is here. The big news if you are just joining us. Kevin Durant is on his way to Phoenix mostly because the Suns had to take on Durant's contract in order to get T.J. Warren back. <laughs> um, Nets in exchange getting um, I always forget how you pronounce his first name, but Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first round picks. Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Mikhail. I always say Mikael, but um, Also, the Lakers sending Russell Westbrook out. He ends up in Utah. D'Angelo Russell is headed to the Lakers. Part of that trade, Mike Conley will be going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Other pieces involved with that as well. But let's get to Scott Agnes. Scott, uh, do you believe that Indiana will be actively involved with anything that will make a headline at ESPN when the trade goes through? Yeah, uh, probably
0: unlikely. Yeah, um, I, obviously they're always active, but I, I just don't think there's there's much right now that they would do. And especially by the way, a uh, headline on ESPN that's going to be hard to top when you have the names to the likes of Kyrie to Dallas, Russ being moved on in a three team deal, and a blockbuster of Kevin Durant. So yeah, I'm not sure anything they could do could really top that, right? <laughs>
2: And Scott's latest kind of a trade deadline primer up on Fieldhouse Files. A lot of good nuggets in there. Um, any team you're watching in particular today, Scott? Obviously a lot of activity we've already seen in the last 24 hours, but um, I, I have a feeling you might go north of the border, but any team outside of Toronto that you're watching today?
0: Yeah, that was obviously the first team I thought about there, and we saw a minor move for them. Yesterday, but uh, outside of that, Chicago. What are we doing there? Um, that that's an obvious one. I think is that team's kind of broken and needs to make changes, whether it's now or or later on in the summer. Um, I think Boston could probably do a minor move potentially. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on within the Eastern Conference of relevancy to a team that's really going to be making a a championship push. And then I think it's fairly possible for Jay Crowder's involved in that deal from Phoenix to Brooklyn to then get rerouted and and, and Milwaukee's been the, the primary choice and discussion point for him and he hasn't played since all of last season. So those are of of deals of relevancy that's probably what you're looking at. You could you could talk about Charlotte needing to blow it up, but I'm not sure that's of any interest to anyone.
2: Yeah, Scott, I know this is a tad hypothetical, but I think back to last year's trade deadline and how that Miles Turner foot injury in January or whenever exactly it was—that is an event we might look back on as one that totally impacted, reshaped the future of the Pacers. You know, I think there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's people-
0: interesting. Yeah. That's interesting because I think it was like January thirteenth. Then he never played again this season, and that was you know several weeks before right right as right approaching that trade deadline. And so um, that was actually the first time I'd heard about DeAndre Aiden to the Pacers. Keep an eye on this. You know, here we go. Uh, may not be at the trade deadline, but it's certainly this summer. And well, that sure held up to be true. But before all uh, all that, this summer with DeAndre Aiden, who by the way, the Phoenix Suns will be here on Friday although I think we might see a skeleton crew before uh, you know, the entire team is, is joined together and, and makes its debut. Uh, and, and Kevin Durant's been out, by the way, anyway with injury. Uh, but, th- yeah, the stress reaction in the foot means you just need to get off of it, need to get rest. But I will tell you, a two-year extension also tells you uh, a, a positive side of everything is that clearly the Pacers medical staff was good with that was good with kind of like a turf toe injury that, that he had the year before that took him out for the last three months or so. Uh, so I think those are all good indications, but, um, with miles, yeah, he was the one more people thought would get moved last year at this trade deadline. No one was talking about Sabonis. And I think just when, when Halliburton became available, you had to sweeten the pot even more and, and they weren't going to make him available, uh, if not for Sabonis.
2: Yeah, it's just crazy when you think of the what-ifs, and you know you, you are not getting Halliburton back if you trade Turner. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. think Sacramento would have done that, particularly this time last year. Um, on the Turner front, um, how much do you think his extension, the fact that that is signed, uh, impacted or altered the Pacers' thinking here leading into today's deadline?
0: Yeah, I, I, it definitely impacted their approach to the deadline because if not, if there was nothing to this point, and there was no like, and they hadn't gotten close on an agreement, right? Because they could have signed something up until March first. So you, the Pacers, if I'm them in the front office, you would have just had to feel very comfortable that you were getting closer, and that Miles was open to signing an extension. I think. I don't think you would have had necessarily get a signature on the dotted line by today. Uh, But if he had not and you hadn't felt comfortable, yeah, you would have moved him. You would have absolutely had to because this franchise, and most, cannot afford to lose someone of his caliber who's, by the way, playing his best basketball, four double-doubles in a row, consistent production here lately as the primary five. Uh, You can't lose him for nothing. So you would have seen that, and you probably, as part of that, seen a couple other pieces potentially go out with him. So that's made this much more of maybe a relaxed deadline, you could say, because they've had that locked up here for, you know, a couple of weeks now. And there's just no obvious route to go. I think more than anything, the Pacers are in our wait and see. Let's see how this plays out. Let's give this group more time to, to play together, to grow together. Um the only thing I would question is a lot of the players, it could be like I think we talked about last week, that we want to see play together and grow together aren't getting that playing time.
3: Scott, when you look at, I don't know, you know, we, we use the term copycat league. Scott Agnes, our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. And I don't know if it's a copycat league per se, but we use that a lot. But certainly there was the trend of the superstar buildups, right? Durant, Harden, Kyrie all together in Brooklyn they played 16 total games together Durant now on his way to Phoenix you got Chris Paul there DeAndre Ayton you know obviously Devin Booker but are we starting to see because these things are getting blown up faster and faster is there any chance that we're starting to see the decline of that and the league is going to shift back to indeed the piece by piece organic building
0: For one, yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a copycat league, and I think that's probably true for all leagues. You see it in the NFL just as as much. Uh, I think what we're seeing, Jake, here in the last few years is is less three-team powers and more. You really do need at least two guys to really compete. I mean, uh, you take a look at this new Phoenix team, the one-two punch of Durant and Booker. Dallas trying, I disagree, but Dallas thinking big here and trying to do a Luka and Kyrie kind of big too. I think what is out, and mostly this is from monetary and you just can't do it reasons um, financially and and make it reasonable, is where it's more than two guys. I mean, that Warriors and that salary cap and just the timing of everyone's contract worked out beautifully for them. To have Durant and the rest of the, the other three for that one time, but that's what's changing. You're seeing, you're seeing teams go to more spread, more more fast tempo styles, and you're also seeing teams, I think, realize we also need to surround these superstars with some talent, not just have three, the big three, right? Like like in Miami.
2: And Scott Agnes with us from Fieldhouse Files. He's got a trade deadline primer up. Right now, 3 o'clock today, that is when the trade deadline hits. Looking back at last night, I know you kind of referenced this just a minute or two ago, the lack of playing time with Benedict Matherin. To me, Scott, I think what was particularly frustrating about last night, and this is something we saw against the Lakers last week, of you got a guy that played really, really well um, You know, late January, what, five straight games over 20 points, and I think it's an opportunity last night to pair him with Halliburton uh, grouping that you want to see a lot of moving forward. The chance to go up against Jimmy Butler, who, you know, I think was getting a little chirpy at times and kind of doing Jimmy Butler type things. But also, Scott, I, I'm confused by like in the short term, I think Matherin should be out there too. Like if you're trying to win, he's a guy that has shown you time and time again this season. A bad quarter does not carry into the next quarter, a bad half does not carry into the next half. That's what to me was so surprising about him only playing 13 minutes a season well last night.
0: Yeah, and four minutes in the second half, none in the fourth quarter, and the fourth is usually when we see him play oftentimes that entire quarter. Right, so, get to the foul line. Um this did not align to what we're accustomed to seeing and what, what we what what he has done. I mean he he's mostly been playing lately thirty minutes per game. So down thirteen, easily a season low, only got two shots off, didn't make one. Um, and I went back cause I was like, all right, am I missing something? Did I, was I watching too much your trade deadline and, you know, missed him just kind of lollygagging up the floor, or chilling in the corner. I didn't think that was the case. I didn't see any obvious reason. Now he wasn't perfect. He, he turned the ball over, missed a defensive assignment, gave up a corner three, but more than anything, the thing that jumped out to me actually was how he was not utilized offensively, how, and this I really put on the point guards out there to, to kind of get things started. We talk about Tyrese and how good he is of kind of reading reading his teammates and seeing, hey, a guy, guy's a little bored out here. We need to utilize him. Um, the fact that his only only <laughs> real good shot attempt, he got to the basket, missed it but was fouled, I, I, th- I thought his n- number needed to be called a little bit more. And then, yeah, in terms of both winning and the bigger picture, You need Matherin out there. He's going to be a fighter that's actually going to not back down to Jimmy Butler type and really relish in this opportunity. So even if he does have a bad game, and that's how Carlisle framed it post game and say it was just a coach's decision, which led to me to watch back that tape. Still, you want him out there to, to grow from these moments at minimum. So that way you are learning and growing through a loss. But I didn't get it.
2: Jake had an interesting point earlier. You look at Chris Duarte, 20 minutes last night, Daniel Tice, 18. Do you read anything into that of, this is the game before the trade deadline, let's play these guys to try and expose them a little bit to other teams that might have interest, and maybe post-trade deadline, that 20 minutes, some of that goes to Matherin. And the 18 for Tice, some of that goes to Isaiah Jackson. Is that wishful thinking? Is that reading too much into it?
0: I, don't, I just don't think that's the case, but I think we'll know right away, I guess, the next game probably. Um, you, I always say you, you don't want to read too much into the last couple of games leading up to the trade deadline because you don't exactly know the front office goals and maybe what they're trying to see. or Maybe, honestly, there's a team that's like, hey, we just haven't seen enough from him, um, from any player out there. Now, from a general standpoint, I don't see Tice getting moved at this day, trade deadline, I don't think that has been a motivating factor at all of him returning a week ago and trying to, you know, really ramp things up. This has kind of been part of his individual plan. He returned exactly twelve weeks from surgery, and they slowly ramped him up. Um, on top of that, he's a nine million dollar guy. A guy like him is normally acquired. In the buyout market, uh, that's not going to happen um, this year with his particular case. Uh, Duarte is a more interesting name. He's someone that uh, other teams have definitely looked into. They see the log jam at guard for the Pacers. They see how he's kind of not misfit, but he hadn't he hadn't felt comfortable um, all season. So they have looked into him. Um, I, I, think Duarte, I think Duarte was just starting, starting, they need to see him break through a little bit. And so he had seen a couple shots
3: go down and they were, so they were rolling with him. I just think that Daniel Tice and you tell me Scott, if you've, if I have read this wrong, but I think Tice carries with him a little bit of like the, the persona of what they feel they need one of, and I'm not saying they need a lot of it but i think they just think that he's kind of that that junkyard dog that can just kind of exude a little bit of muscle for them and that's a that's a roster that doesn't have a lot of that because it has a lot of lean and athleticism underneath but not a lot of bulk and so that's why they like him because he brings that and they just don't have any depth of that one need agree or disagree
0: I agree, specifically at that spot. Um, you thought Goga might be a little bit of that, where he could come in and be change it up and provide kind of more of a physical center. You know, provide a different look there when Miles was out of the game. I think I think the, the words that come to mind when you think Daniel Tice to me is know how. He's just a guy that's been there, done that, done it at a high level. I think it's year seven for him. He's reading pick and rolls, he's trying to get guys in the right spots defensively. And by the way, he's played for this team for a week. So if right. he's doing that and feeling comfortable to do that, that that is huge I think too for the coaching staff cuz it's not it's like Halliburton, it's another coach out on the floor trying to you know move guys into the right pieces here.
3: Now, I wonder what's going to happen with Phoenix with this roster. They got all these new guys, right? You know who that might free up Kevin? Bismack Bismack Biombo basement mm-hmm. Ben yeah, right <laughs>
2: yeah uh
3: huh yeah I'm I mean I, G- boy if he would have been thrown into that tray can you imagine the haul they could have gotten back you know what would be fun is if if there was a G League team in Bismarck and he went there can you imagine that Bismack and Bismarck that'd be awesome Scott that-
2: I know it's your favorite game to play we'll end with this I will put the number at .5 over under Pacers players traded by three o'clock
0: oh oh. I'll say right now, I'll go under. I agree. I'll go under for right now. I will admit, admit, though, if this was three months ago, I probably would have said over one and a half um, is where we're at. And this is where you kind of see the fluidity of a team and the, uh, the circumstances. And to your point earlier, miles Miles signing that extension kind of changed everything there. And then... Um right now, I think it would only be a move on the fringes if something does get done here by 3 p.m.
3: I mean, do you agree with I'll this, Scott? I'll be the contrarian. I'll take over. Okay, I, here's my thought, Scott. You tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Kevin Pritchard today only picks up his phone if it's to take a call. He is not picking it up to make any.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. It's one of those where... It's a it's a little bit optics, but you know you're you're listening to everything, but you're not actively pursuing anything. You're not going out and hunting for a deal, and there, there's nothing from this roster where I think you're trying to connect. I guess where I would change that is if another deal maybe gets um, finalized here. If there's a way for them to work themselves into a deal, yeah. much like they did with Paris LeVert for Victor, that's where it could be advantageous for this franchise. They got $10 million in cap space. They got some draft assets. Um, so There's several different ways they could shape it. That'd be that'd be one of the ways where it would make sense for an outbound ND call here.
2: Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. It's a busy, busy day in the NBA world. Busy night last night in the NBA world. Scott, thanks for the time, man.
0: All right, guys. Thank you.
2: Scott Agnes on the Payless Lakers Hotline. Jake, I totally hear you out on taking calls versus making calls. I also think it's Kevin Pritchard's job to poke the bear a little bit today. Yeah. Teams are desperate.
3: Teams will panic. That's fair. You always make an offer just to see if you can get something. Look
2: at what Phoenix just did. And again, I I get that ownership. A new ownership there has probably played into that. But I think you also kind of test people's patience and... You're in a position to where you can do a lot of different things. You've got the flexibility, the word that Pritchard uses often, optionality. You're in a good position, so I think you. I think you poke the bear a little bit, see where you can get involved. Um, again, doesn't mean you got to pull the trigger on it, but we'll see what happens. Three o'clock today, the NBA trade deadline. We'll talk Colts head coaching search with Zach Kiefer coming up. In the 9 o'clock hour and also giving away a pair of tickets to the Ball State Cardinals. Michael Lewis, uh, future Notre Dame head coach Michael Lewis, is what I'm really Excuse hoping me? for there. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Uh, my mom's not happy when I say that. Diehard Ball State Cardinals fan. Uh, best start in 25 years for the Cardinals. 17-7, and 8-3 and 3 in the conference. We've got a pair of tickets uh, to Worthen Arena coming up for their game on Saturday. Uh, again, Zach Kiefer in about 10. Is that a trade deadline reference there? Yep. Mark Dykton, of course, on the ones and twos. NBA trade deadline coming up at 3 o'clock today. The Super Bowl this Sunday. Tomorrow, we'll have Adam Vinatieri on to chat about that. He also has got a fun little event with Rob Gronkowski for the Super Bowl. We're going to have a prop bet dude on, right, Mark? Yep,
4: sure are. Okay. So, we'll get some some bets to place.
2: Slew of props. I was thinking about this Super Bowl-related that also impacts the Colts' head coaching search, Jake. You know, offensive continuity I think is such a massive key in the hiring here. Um, that would be the biggest worry for a Raheem Morris, Aaron Glenn, Wink Martindale; those names of how do you sustain offensive continuity? Jalen Hurts having an MVP type season. I think if he doesn't get hurt, he probably is the MVP. <laughs> This is the first time since his father coached him in high school that he has the same play caller in back-to-back seasons.
3: I talked to somebody yesterday that I don't think has any more idea than the three of us who the Colts are going to hire, but it is somebody who's pretty dialed in with people close to the situation who said, and I said, who do you think it's going to be? And he said, man... I really deep down think it's pretty clear it's going to be. And he threw me a an name. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. And he said, yeah, all signs seem to be pointing in that direction. So how about I tell you that when we bring in Zach Kiefer next?
2: Again, offensive stability on that end for Jalen Hurts. That to me is so, so critical. You look at his collegiate career. Had some nice years. Hard to sustain it. Transferred a course from Alabama to Oklahoma. That, to me, is such a critical, critical piece. Um, Zach Keeper joins us next, and Jake will give out the... Is this a, a person we should trust?
3: I would say so. Okay. Pretty dialed in. All right, we'll do that next. So, with... The disclaimer, I ran into somebody yesterday that's pretty plugged in with the Colts and has always been pretty dialed in over the years, and we're just kind of catching up, and I say, so who do you think they're going to hire? And the the preface was there of, you know, they're being very tight-lipped, they've done a really good job of keeping it close to the vest. But this is somebody who's in the inner circle or the confidant list probably of, to an extent, Chris Ballard. Um, So I want to make clear, it wasn't like, hey, I can tell you right now this is who it's going to be. This was strictly a, however, all of the signs seem to point towards. They said, who do you think, Jake? And I said, I've said Raheem Morris all along. And then I had my NyQuil-induced dream of... Aaron Glenn, and this person said, I don't think it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to hire Shane Steichen from Philadelphia. And that pretty much jives, Kevin, with what I think you have kind of insinuated as your gut deep down. Yeah, right?
2: that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I do want to make clear I'm not like uber, uber confident in that, but if you were going to hand me a you know $10 chip and say, all right, you gotta put it on somebody. That's probably where I would go.
4: Maybe two six packs coming your way if that happens. I right, that's right. I did get him in the draft. Mm-hmm.
2: Um yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Looking forward to that because I don't think I'm gonna get the 30 win pacer bet, so I'll get out of here. My bank account is struggling here. Uh yeah, that's probably where I'm leaning. And again, we'll talk with Zach Keeper here in just a minute. A little bit more about that. You know, the later you get in the week, is that something to wear if you continue not to hear anything? Is that a reason why? Because, Jake, if you look at the offensive coaches, I and I need to double-check on Brian Callahan, if I'm not mistaken, I know Eric Biennium and Chris Ballard do not share the same agent. I'm pretty sure Ballard and Shane Steichen share the same agent. So if you're looking for leaks, that's one camp that you need to have on the same page. Chris Ballard doesn't want leaks at all. Right. So the Shane Steichen side of it, for two reasons— his agent wouldn't want to leak it one he wants to appease his other client and chris ballard and two if you are shane sycan and you're taking this job you do not want to be bombarded with text on Correct. friday or Correct. saturday or questions yeah I mean, yeah questions i mean you for those that don't know super bowl media week or super bowl week i should say the assistant coaches meet the media a whole lot you know shane sycan talked with chris hagan the other night It was a bit startled when Hagen introduced him. I was like, Yeah, I'm from Indianapolis and frankly I think you'd be startled when Chris Hagen introduced himself, period. Excuse me? What does that mean? Oh, I'd say that in all
3: love. Oh, hey, Chris is a unique cat. Um, but I you know I don't, You know he has a brother that was on that show Blind Date. You ever watch that Blind Date with Roger Marshall? Oh, sure. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. H- Hagen's little brother. Is that brother, true T V? Uh th- that was on back I think that was actually. It's now on Pluto TV, which the, used to be a planet network, and it's not anymore. Is but. that
2: the CW where the live golf is going to be? <laughs> that does not shock me at all about Hagen.
3: Yeah, his little brother was. Now, Hagen also, you you could literally throw a dart at anywhere in the southeast, and what wherever it lands in the southeast, he either lived in that state or went to college there. He went to like seven college. Um, this yeah. is me talking. You want
2: to talk SEC baseball, just dial up Chris Hagen there. That's right. But again, if you're Steichen, Jake, you don't want to put anything more, bring any more attention to you. It's, I mean, even if you're going to take the head coaching job in Indianapolis, there's no guarantee you ever get back to the Super Bowl. That looked pretty cool on the resume, being the winning play caller in a Super Bowl. And that's what Shane Steichen could be dealing with this weekend. But as I said before the break, Jake, I think, you know, Jalen Hurts, I get that it's college, but that's an example of a guy that. You know, he had some big name coordinators in college: Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable. You know, Lincoln Riley called his plays at Oklahoma, but he has never had continuity in back-to-back seasons until right here with Shane Sykin. And here he is, MVP type season.
3: Had a great year.
2: We'll make our picks tomorrow, but I think that's where I'm leaning.
3: It'll be interesting. I, you know, kind of the younger blood that seems to be the hot thing, right? Uh, Zach Kiefer joins us now on the Pale of Sickers hotline. Zach, of course, with the athletic, and so what the hell? We'll bring him into this conversation. Zach, with the preface of the fact that uh, you know they're very they're very tight lipped, so I want to make clear to protect you, this is not you reporting anything. But if you had to say the person whose name, like it, just kind of seems to keep going back to in your mind. That you just get a feeling they might be really honing in on for the Colts would be who? Gosh, this is hard. I knew you were going to put me on the spot. I was talking to someone
8: familiar with the search a couple of days ago, and they kind of made it very clear nobody knows anything. Yeah. Like, this is kind of crazy. I did the numbers, and we're four and a half weeks into this search. They've had 21 interviews, 13 via Zoom, eight via in-person that's 132 hours roughly of interview that's pretty crazy um and I still I still honestly Jake do not know where this is going to go it makes sense to a degree and and let me throw this down at you guys it makes sense if it's Steichen and they're just waiting right if it's Shane Steichen the Eagles offensive coordinator he will be coaching on Sunday and you know, I think, I think this is an, a very real thing in the minds of Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard. Last time they had hired a coach before the Super Bowl. You know, they had, a, they had come to agreement, and, you know, a couple of days went by, and McDaniels got cold feet and backed out. A very embarrassing day for the team, and I think part of that is the fact that they didn't vet McDaniels enough to realize this was possible. So, to avoid that embarrassment, if you're doing it this time, and if you are hiring a guy that's coaching Sunday, it makes sense to just not leak anything out of it until after the game, when really there's no way he can he can back out of it.
2: Yeah, Zach, I want to focus there for, for a second. Again, Zach Kiefer from the Athletic with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I've been saying to Jake several times this week. I think a massive reason why you're seeing the Colts so quiet and so thorough is because of the embarrassment Chris Ballard felt in 2018, and it, I, I think that is a huge reason why you've seen the Colts have this sort of process and right here, right now, why it's so hard to get any sort of concrete information out of them because unlike in Carolina where they made an announcement and then had a presser four days later, unlike in Denver where they made an announcement and had a presser several days later, I don't see the Colts doing that, Uh, and I guess I kind of understand it. I mean, if I would have gone through that and I were Ballard, I'd probably want to be as thorough and as quiet as possible.
8: Yeah, I think it's twofold, KB, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. Um, you know, I, I, I don't believe there's going to be any announcement until after the Super Bowl. That's just my gut feeling as, as it inches into, really, Super Bowl weekend right now. Um, I think it's twofold, KB. I think you mentioned 2018 and the embarrassment that came with that. That was all Ballard. McDaniels was Ballard's pick. He begged Ursay to come out to McDaniels' house to finish the job. They had dinner that night. He met the family that night. They had a handshake agreement with Josh McDaniels, which was a week before the Super Bowl. Remember, that was before the Patriots even flew out to Minnesota for that Super Bowl. We know what happened after that and the embarrassment that came with it. But the other layer in this, and and this is just me thinking out loud, is they were embarrassed, I think, in a way, at how this last half of the season went. I think the, the scrutiny and the dysfunction label that followed this team, following what happened in early November, you hired just Saturday late on a Sunday night. You fired Frank Reich over the phone that morning. You bring in Saturday the next night, and you think, and I think in Drew Mercer's mind, uh, he thought the fan base was going to be revved up. They were going to be fired up. They were going to be pumped. You know, you're tapping into the glory days, and you're bringing back a, fanch- a franchise favorite. The embarrassment that came after that, the losses in Minnesota and Dallas, et cetera, and the way they were criticized across the league for how ridiculous this was, I think the Colts right now are trying to prove a point. Look, we can have a thorough co- coaching search. We can do it everything by the book. We can have the most exhaustive, thorough, complete process in the world. Uh, I almost feel like they're going overboard. They're, it's almost paralysis by analysis at this point because you're almost five weeks in and like you're thinking about third-round interviews. Like, What are you going to learn in a third-round interview that you didn't learn in a 12-hour second-round interview? So Look, if you're trying to prove a point that they can run a normal coaching search, congratulations, you guys have done it. But at this point, you need to get a coach in here before the combine starts, for God's sake.
3: I was wondering about that of how long, I, I mean, theoretically, whoever it is, the that person is already looking at the roster, you know, if they have an idea. But doesn't it feel like, Zach, that, that whoever it is, is going to need time to kind of figure out going into the combine what they're looking for. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, oh yeah. H- how long do you need to get ready for the combine? I, you can't just turn around and walk into it, can you?
8: Yeah, a, a coach can. Um, it's, it's not as complicated as it might seem. Look, they're already familiar with the roster because that was a heavy discussion during these interviews. You don't come in there and not have some thoughts on the roster. And one of the questions Chris Ballard has asked these guys in every single interview is, is what do you think of our team? Right. And these guys are going to go through position by position. They're going to go through the scheme, the talent, the contracts. And I think one of the beneficial things for this team moving forward is something they needed. They needed some honesty. They needed some cold blooded honesty about where they're at and why they're there because their approach. And I've talked to JMV about this, their approach and all that, like Ballard's approach is, has not worked like the facts are the facts. They haven't won a division in seven or eight years and, Et so I think, Jake, those coaches that came into those interviews have a pretty good feel for why this team is where it's at and what's working and what's not. Um, look, they had some people down in Mobile last week at the Senior Bowl. The scouting staff, the personnel staff, the Denise Ballard, they can handle all the draft prep work. There's still three months to go. They're going to have plenty of time. The other caveat I would add is a lot of people have asked me, Like, are they still going to be able to hire a really good coaching staff? And that's a very real concern. Yeah, I agree. A lot of good coaches have been scooped up. Now, if you go back to the last time, I thought Frank Reich put together a really, really good coaching staff in 2018. Late in the game, he was hired a week after the Super Bowl. Remember, I mean, Tom Manning was a really good tight ends coach. He hired Nick Sirianni to run his offense. You guys know what Nick's doing in Philly. Jonathan Gannon, that was a great hire, defensive backs. He's going to be a head coach pretty soon. Obviously, he had a little help with Iberfos already being here, but Bubba Ventron's been really good. So I wouldn't be overly concerned with that. Um, But the one thing I will add is is some teams are calling about Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, to interview him for the same job. The Colts are basically like, nah, we're not going to let him leave. My understanding is three or four of the head coaching candidates have looked Ballard in the eyes and said, I want to bring Gus Bradley back, and I want to bring his entire staff back. Now, it depends on the hire and I think you let the head coach hire whoever he wants. But I would say at this point there's a good chance that Gus Bradley and his defensive staff are back, and that's a little bit of continuity for a franchise that desperately needs some.
2: Again, if you look at the candidates that have Gus Bradley connections, Shane Steichen certainly does, Rich Passaccia, Raheem Morris, a couple of others that have direct connections with Gus Bradley. Zach Kiefer with us right now. Obviously you read his work over on the athletic, Zach, this is something that I honestly is probably more curiosity than anything. But we, you've seen so many of these, you know, long interviews and whatever the numbers that have been thrown around—eight, ten, hell, there's been some reports of twelve-hour days. And Jake and I were, you know, kind of going back and forth on like what exactly they're talking about for that long. And when you kind of map it out, I mean, there are about, I think, eight pretty legit topics that you could be talking about for that long. So basically, I guess I'm just asking for, you know, if it, you have any insight into what these interviews look like, because when you do think about it, or say not necessarily involved in the first round, more involved in the second round, you're going to talk quarterback plan, you're going to talk free agency, you're going to talk draft, like you said, you're going to talk roster, you're going to talk just general background, um, you're probably going to talk your coaching staff, locker room. A schedule all those sorts of things so just any insight you might have into what these interviews look like
8: yeah i think i think you hit on a lot of it like i mean your you guys show is what three hours every day i mean it's probably not that hard to fill it there's a lot to cover if you're an nfl head coach and one thing that's been made clear to me by executives and coaches who have been through this process is like how much different the job is from oc and dc to head coach and i mean not the football stuff, right? Like, coaching is is the easy part, because these guys have been doing that forever. It's, it's the other stuff. It's like the CEO-type stuff. Like, that's the other stuff that gets in the way, in a lot of ways, of just doing the job. And I think some coaches are really, really good at that, at compartmentalizing and some struggle. So, obviously, they're going through the roster, and that probably takes a couple hours, right? I would imagine that. What I want to know, and, and I don't have the specifics, but I think this is the most fascinating part, and I've talked about about this in the past, is how do you sort of understand a guy's leadership ability when you're interviewing him in a room? Like, I want to see him on the field. I want to see him in a locker room. I want to see him in the hardest moments, because if you coach in this league, it, there's going to be things that don't go your way, whether it's an injury or whether it's a, a player not, you know, following the script or whatever. Like you're Like, you're gonna know the most about a guy when you put him in the worst of situations. God knows Frank Reich had those difficult situations here with the quarterback turnover and, and Chuck Pagano. Like it's gonna happen, and and that's what I want to know about. And and also, I think Jim Ursay is sitting down with these guys for several hours. Like, how much does the other guy get to say? Because we know Jim yeah. can be wordy. Good luck. But w- what are those like? Like in Jim is often and often said, and, and I don't know if his fans like this, but he's the guy making this call and, and, and how does he make that call it's intuitive he said it's a feel it's a gut feeling it's based on 52 two two years in the league like that that that's hard to predict like that's hard to predict that's hard to quantify um, but and I would love to be a fly on the wall for for those 4 hours cuz I bet you hear a little bit of everything i bet you hear some some rock and roll history some gale theory gale singers. Like all,
0: I
3: bet you hear the whole game when you sit down with Jim Murphy for four hours. You know that guitar over there? It's like David Crosby, man, Millsy. All right, Zach, you've played, you've been to Vegas, right, Zach? Yeah. You've played roulette, right? Where you got the table, it's got the 36 numbers. You take your chip, you can put it like straddle numbers, etc. Everybody knows this game, yep. right? Okay. Right. So, I'm going to give you eight chips. Before you on the... Roulette board Are the following spaces Raheem Morris Aaron Glenn Brian Callahan Jeff Saturday Basashia Shane Steichen And then one that just says Other You get to put the chips On the different names If it's touching a name Then bingo You're a winner Do you put a chip On Jeff Saturday Or do you double up Your chips on another name I do not
8: I do not And and I feel pretty strongly about this. From everything I've heard for the last couple of weeks, I, I just don't think he's going to get this job. I know he wanted this job very badly. I don't think he's going to get this job. Obviously, you guys know that things can change and things change fast with this organization, but I just don't think he gets the job. Um, I'm thinking, Jake, I'm thinking Dyken's got a good chance. I've heard some really good things about Brian Callahan. I know Raheem Morris interviewed well. I heard Bisaccia and Aaron Glenn interviewed well, and I know that sounds redundant, right? Of course, everybody wants to leak out that they interviewed well, but this is crazy. Like, we're five weeks into this, and and nobody really knows what they're going to do. And I think, frankly, I think the Colts like this. I think they like people guessing.
2: Do you think they've made a decision?
8: I think so. I I think maybe if if they haven't told anyone, I still think, you know, in their mind, they have to know who it is at this point, right? With all the information they've gathered, Um, but from my understanding, the coaches that interviewed are still waiting, like guys that are not in the playoffs, like obviously Steichen's busy, but the rest of them, from my understanding early this week, they were just kind of like, okay, I'll just wait for a call. So that's the interesting part is like, usually that's how start, things start to leak out. Like a couple coaches that were candidates for the Cardinals found out this week that they're no longer candidates. So that helps you win over the field. That's not happening here. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Colts don't make any of those types of moves to prevent a leak until Monday or Tuesday. That
3: leads to this question, Zach. A lot of people have asked me, or a lot of people have commented to me, and I get it. You know, people are like, oh, poor media guys. You just, you know, you feel like they owe it to you to let you know what's going on. I don't think that at all. I I don't. However, the longer this plays out and the longer this pans out, and the longer you theoretically, if it is the case, have coaches that are kind of waiting for that call, does that actually hurt Indianapolis in the future where the next time they're in this situation again, coaches are going to say to themselves, I'm not throwing my hat in their ring. Look what they did to my buddy.
8: I would push back on that, Jake. I don't think so. I think things are so, things change so fast in this league. I mean, this guy could be here three years, he could be here 10 years. No, I get and, that. And, In three years, you won't even remember the last coaching search. The only people that will are degenerates like you and me and (laughs) and maybe who have to live this. Um, I know way too many things about the last coaching search just because I've covered it for so long. But, again, and and I talked to some agents about this, like, in the Colts' belief is that if they were going after a Sean Payton or a big name, they would have had to move fast, and they understand that. If they're going after the guys that they're going after, most of which are not head coaches before, They don't feel the need to rush. They just don't feel the need to rush. And I think they communicated that to these coaches. Um, But again, Jake, there's there's 32 of these. And a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys would kill for this opportunity, however it comes. And and I'm writing a story about this tomorrow. If they get the right guy, none of this matters. Like, we're not going to remember these five weeks. It's not going to matter at all. How you get there does not matter in this league as long as you get the right guy. If you get the wrong guy, you got to go back and look at the process and figure out what you did poorly. And I think this is a result, like you guys mentioned at the first question, this is a result of what went wrong in 2018 in a lot of ways. So that search was pretty quick. They had a, they had an end in mind from the very beginning. They wanted to get an offensive guy. They ignored a really good candidate in Mike Vrabel. Not ignore, but he was never going to get the job. And they went with McDaniels. It blew up in their face. And I think this is sort of the result of that, uh, a very long-winded way of saying, This is the byproduct of all that went wrong in 2018.
2: Zach, we'll end with this. And again, Zach Kiefer uh, from The Athletic. Um, A non-coaching question to cap things. Um, I kind of forgot about this, but it is the NFL Honor Show tonight at 9 o'clock. Part of the NFL Honor Show is the announcement of the 2023 Hall of Fame class. I probably lean towards no, unfortunately, because I think both are pretty deserving. But do you think Reggie Wayne and or Dwight Freeney get the call to the Hall
8: tonight? I don't, you know. I need to get my buddy Mike Chapel on here to answer because he's our inside source. With the you know, he's a steel coded. trap right now. Right, poor guy. He's a he is a steel trap, but he's the guy that's pitching and in, in the room, and and you can always get a feel in that room. He says about whether these guys are receptive. Um, I, I, I just don't. I it's just tough to see these guys sneaking in. I didn't like the class last year. I thought that was Reggie's turn, um, but I feel like I feel like there's a little Colts fatigue to be honest and I know Colts fans hate to hear that but you had Peyton and Marvin and Edgerin and Paulian and Dungy all go in consecutively in a lot of ways and I feel like the voters in their minds whether they admit admit it or not are a little tired of putting Colts players in so I think it'll probably go elsewhere but I think Freeman will have a chance down the line I'm, I'm not sure about Reggie I feel like his best chance
3: was last year. Interesting. I don't disagree. That's interesting. Yeah, the whole out position
2: is just odd. Like Tory Holt, yeah, Andre like, Johnson, Reggie Wayne. I, yeah, well,
8: Andre Reid going in before Marvin no, was, was just absurdity in my mind. Like just looking at the Marvin was it wasn't close, but it doesn't always reflect that.
2: Couldn't agree more, Zach. Uh, good luck. Keep pumping the coffee, and we'll be looking for that update. And by the way, nice story on Quiddy Pay. Um, if you guys missed that, Quiddy Pay was a guest at the uh, State of the Union the other night. Really nice story by Zach on that.
8: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Zach
2: Kiefer from The Athletic.
3: If you, if you were Zach and you had to sign your name on stuff, do you go with just the big Z like Zorro, or do you do the capitalized Z in your signature? You know, they're, they're dra- they're, there might not be a letter in the alphabet that has a greater disparity between the print and the cursive than the letter Z. Which, which would you go with?
2: Yeah, there's another letter. I haven't written cursive in a while. There's another letter I felt like always had huge disparity. Um, with Zach's name. L. Z- L
3: would be one.
2: Zach's name is just Z-A-K. His first name. That's how he spells it. Right. So if I were Zach, I would just bleed the Z right into my last name. You've got back-to-back Ks. So you might as well just go with Z. Screw the A. Just go with Z right. Kiefer. That's not bad. Isn't that his Twitter?
3: You know, the G has some variation yeah, to it. I thought the G
2: is always really drastic. Now I the, hope we're done with cursive.
4: Supposedly we are, F right? is a bit much, too. I yeah,
3: remember, do you guys t always look this do way. You remember when you were in elementary school and the first time that you saw like uh, something written in cursive, it was like a foreign language. It was like, what, what oh, is that? Hieroglyphics. S has some variation to it. I
4: just remember my cursive was never very good. My teacher's like, uh, you get like points deducted if they couldn't read them. I'm like, well, if I could just print it, you'd be able to read it. <laughs> if I need to use this newfangled thing you're trying to teach me.
2: Are we on the same page? No for Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney tonight. No, but eventually, that's where I'm at. I, I will say both get in, but no tonight. I
3: don't know that Freeney ever gets in. Lee.
2: Really? That's a pretty good resume. It is. And you've heard me say this before. I think Mathis should be in before Freeney. I would agree with that. Leads the uh, NFL history, strip sack leader.
4: So who are you picking to go in tonight, Kev? Who's I'll names go Joe thinking. Thomas. I'll go Darrell Revis.
2: Again, this is who I think, not who I believe should go in. I'll go DeMarcus Ware. I feel pretty good about those three. And then um, Devin Hester and Torrey Holt to round it out.
3: You think Devin Hester gets in?
2: He should. I, I the a... best player at a position, you, you should go in. What do you guys think about Jared Allen?
4: He's it, the Hall of Very Good, I would say. He had a long I don't know career. Hall of fame. I, I think
3: he was pretty darn good. Here, let's pull up real quick before we get to the check down. Patrick Willis didn't play you, a you, lot. You pull really up good. Dwight Freeney's stats, I'll pull up Jared Allen's, okay? So you pull up Freeney, I pull up Jared Allen. Okay. Okay, we will go with... Now, just so people are clear... Because I I pointed out with somebody the other day mentioning how many times they were all pro, and they're like, dude, that's a popularity contest. I'm like, no, 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 that's the Pro Bowl. All pro means the writers have voted you the best at your position. Okay, how many all pros for Dwight Freeney? Uh,
2: Dwight Freeney has one, two, three, four.
3: That's the same number as Jared Allen. Uh, All pros. How many sacks for Dwight Freeney?
2: 125 and a half.
3: Okay, 136 for Jared Allen. How many total tackles for Dwight Freeney?
2: 350.
3: 648 for Jared Allen. How many interceptions for Dwight Freeney?
2: How many years did Jared Allen play?
3: Uh, Jared Allen played from 04 to 15.
2: Yeah, Jared Allen 12th on the all-time sack list, Freeney 18. what Would you say interceptions? Yep.
3: Boy, I don't know. Did
2: he have any? No, none. (laughs)
3: Six for Jared Allen.
2: About forced fumbles, forty-seven for Freeney.
3: Thirty-two for Jared Allen. Man, that's a big number.
2: That that see those are the numbers that stand out to me because you're ending a drive and okay, you're starting Pass deflections drive. for Freeney. Oh, gosh, now are we getting a little?
3: In- I'm just saying, picky here. I mean, I think that's it. forced fumbles and pass deflections are pretty. Cl- I mean, you-
2: force fumbles a turnover. Man, Freeney had nine forced fumbles as a rookie.
3: Fumble recoveries. I mean, nineteen for Jared Allen. Yeah, you know, it's all four. How I, many? I, I, four. Yeah, I, I think
2: forced fumbles is the biggest stat outside of sacks for a defensive lineman.
3: Forced fumbles. Not every one of them you're getting back. Fumble recovery, you're getting right, every but one of them. A forced fumble
2: is a sack. I, I get it.
3: And but I'm just saying. I mean, more Jared Allen. That's a pretty darn good resume. So there's there's yeah, one sure. guy right there that Freeney's probably behind.
2: Again, I think Allen's got a good chance to get in tonight. If I was going to round out a five, he probably would be that. That and fifth or
3: sixth name. Even though we've gone over this many, many times, I'll repeat it, in the case of, in particular, Freeney, a player in the NFL, it is not like baseball. So in other words, people are, people are not going to be able to ask, so does Freeney go in as a cult? Which, I mean, obviously he w- he would if it were. That's how it operates. But yeah. Adam inventory
2: does not have to pick between the Patriots.
3: Correct. Goals. In the Football Hall of Fame... It is simply your bust, and then underneath it, it lists your teams of service. It does not prioritize one team over the other. Richard Dent is in the Hall of Fame as an Indianapolis Colt as much as he is as a Chicago Bear.
2: Which, Freeney's got a lot, right? Seahawks, Cardinals, okay. Falcons. Falcons. Did he play for the Lions?
3: Yes. Anything else, Scott? Chargers, right? Is he a Charger? Pretty sure he was a Charger.
2: San Diego Super
3: chargers. That's a great song. Are you looking up? You're on his page right yeah yep chargers cardinals I think we got them all yeah lions wasn't there one at the very end there was that the lions at the very end i think so yeah
2: and you know honestly his you know he almost won a super bowl in um in uh
3: arizona right well L-
2: arizona and atlanta wasn't he on the super bowl team when they blew the big lead 28-3
3: i think that's right
2: i think he was on that team
3: man God,
2: twenty-eight-three. No wonder Matt Ryan still wants to play football. <laughs> oh, you can't laugh with a blown lead. Is Matt Ryan Hall of Famer?
3: No. no. Uh no. right on the fringe. No. I, it, no.
2: At, at some point, you can, you just can't throw all these passers
3: in. I mean, if Kenny Anderson's not in the Hall of Fame, Matt Ryan probably is not. Pop quiz coming up
2: in a few, a pair of tickets to watch Ball State. The Fighting Cardinals are playing great basketball right now for Michael Lewis. That's a pair of tickets for Saturday afternoon. We'll give that away. Coming up on the Pop Quiz, let's do a morning check down.
3: The Morning Checkdown, brought
0: to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
3: Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. He was the throw-in in the trade that allowed the Suns to get T.J. Warren back last night. They sent, say again the first name there? Mikhail. Mikhail Bridges. I think it's Mikhail no. uh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and four first-round picks all headed to Brooklyn in exchange for Kevin Durant now becoming a Phoenix Sun to pair up with, of course, Chris Paul, and then DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, so... Phoenix pushing everything in. The Lakers acquiring D'Angelo Russell yesterday along with Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Russell Westbrook goes to Utah along with a couple of other guys. And Mike Conley ends up in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Good for Conley. It is good. I
2: think it's a good little fit for him. I kind of like what the Lakers did there. Uh, If you look at the Nets roster, they have a lot of guys that I would like to see... The pacers look into. I know that might not seem so obvious, but they have some kind of six six, six seven guys that I think would look
3: good. Where do you live? And like if you get traded like that, like what do you do?
2: Well, I assume
3: I mean, you they gotta have, move in two days? I'd assume
2: they have some sort of partnership with a local suite condominium.
3: You staying at the extended stay out in eighty West eighty sixth yeah, street? I, I don't know if you're at the uh Homewood Suites. Yeah, I mean and how? Well, I you mean, know.
2: maybe you just slide into. When where do you G. find Warren the time to head
3: back and you know, move your dog and everything else? Yeah, I think uh, I think you can hire some people. You think Conley gets a U-Haul? It's I mean, how much that. is that from Utah to one way?
2: Yeah, I don't think Mrs. Conley all right. Let's pack everything up. I'd like to think you got some help. I'm just saying on that. Hey, end. what
3: are you doing Tuesday, man? I got to move.
2: <laughs> Tonight, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be up in Mackey. Uh, I have not been inside of Mackey in a couple of years. Looking forward to that. It is Purdue in Iowa from. Wes Lafayette, seven and a half point favorite, the Boilermakers. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on rebounding from
3: a rare loss. But you still have to go through some things sometimes. And, um, you know, now being able to get on edge and move to the next game, you know, you shouldn't really have to be on edge after a loss, right? You, You move on, you know, you got that sick feeling in your stomach and hopefully you can do something about it. I've got that sick feeling in my stomach, but I think it's because all I've had for two days is NyQuil. Any concern over Purdue tonight? Uh, I wouldn't say concern, but they're certainly in a situation where, look, the thing I like about Purdue is Purdue has just been able to go out and play their game. They're not necessarily adjusting to others. They're basically saying, here's what we do and come and beat us. Yeah, Iowa
2: can score. I don't know if they can guard you or I, though. Um, The big kid, the foreigner, he's not bad. 6'9", 6'10". The hell are you doing
3: Oh jeez! I'm a mess over here. I don't know. I'm all hopped up on the medicine. I...
2: What happened there?
3: Well, I coughed, and then when I coughed, I, I was because I want to protect you guys. Because I'm conscientious, unlike you guys bringing in all the rugrat germs, I'm conscientious of making sure that everybody's safe. So I coughed, and I was covering my face because you know that's part of me being considerate of others. And then in moving my hand away from my face, it pulled the cord of my headsets, which then flung them across the room like they were being catapulted out of a slingshot.
2: That reaction's how a lot of Pacers fans
3: work.
4: was a good assessment. Reacted to Benedict <laughs> Mather
3: last night a
2: season low thirteen minutes for the rookie the Pacers lose their 13th out of 15 the last time they won a road game Chris Kringle had not yet taken part in his annual adventure that is December 23rd Uh, Jake to summarize last night awful start Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are some dudes that the Pacers would like
3: to have on their team yeah Bam Adebayo is really good man everything kind of you know it's funny he's not the superstar of that team per se but everything kind of runs through him Jimmy Butler is their junkyard dog late in games that takes over, but a lot is facilitated by Bam if Adebayo. If you were
2: making a list of the best two-way players in the NBA, Bam Adebayo better be on it and better be pretty very, high on Very, very high on the list, yeah. Uh, yeah, so last night for the Pacers, again, just big issue there at the start. Nice second <laughs> quarter, but then struggled offensively, and Benedict Matherin played his fewest minutes of the season. It'll be Phoenix... Tomorrow at home, that Phoenix team will not be the Kevin Durant-Phoenix team. Durant's dealing with an injury. Phoenix has a game tonight, so back-to-back. It'll be interesting to see how much of the Devin Booker-DeAndre Ayton core plays. And then at Washington on Saturday for Indiana. Two games next week, and then the All-Star break. Again, trade deadline coming up at 3 o'clock today all right it's time for the pop quiz 317-239-1070 scotty i just now opened the pop quiz scrolling through the answers number five i don't even know what the hell that
3: is uh but outside of that i think there's a chance let's see here few things make me feel older than when you say i don't even know what that is on number five and I look at it and i'm like that's my junior year of high school well
2: 1895 for old number okay. five there yeah, jake okay. so we might have to go deep in the query. Anna's wow. There. Is number four men or women? No, that's uh, women. Just women. Yeah, they they do have a good women's program, too. Do they really? Yeah, I do okay. remember seeing them pop up in the uh, women's bracket. Speaking of that, Indiana, Iowa tonight from Assembly Hall. Number two versus number five for Terry Moran's bunch. And Iowa led by Caitlin Clark, and she is... Whew, I think the fever need a tank for her. But there might be some other people, I think, that... The draft pundits of the WNBA have pegged for the high draft pick. All right, 317-239-1070. Paraball State tickets coming up.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in HOPE. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your
0: pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
3: All right, what do you think, Kev? Doable, not doable?
2: Yeah. I don't know. The more I looked at it, the more I started. Getting a little bit worrisome for whoever's going to hop on here. I mean, one's 50-50, but in two, we've certainly talked about. But yeah, yeah. this is a little bit more difficult than I thought. Nowhere near what I thought Monday was. Monday was. I thought someone had kidnapped Scotty.
3: Do we have callers lined up, Mark? We do.
2: Let's go number Point spread tonight for Purdue is seven and a half, so let's go with caller seven. Pete. Pete! Hey, what's going on? Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, brother. Pete, uh, if you had to pick one Super Bowl snack to have this Sunday, the one Super Bowl snack would be what?
7: Oh, my. Um,
8: loaded nachos.
2: Oh, okay. Oh. What are we loading them with?
8: Um, beef, avocado, tomato, onion,
3: lettuce, black beans. Let's go. Keep it coming. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's a mountain. Pete, Pete, if I told you that when I was in high school, one of my favorite musical bands had a member of it named Pete Nice, would you know who that is?
8: I would not.
3: Okay. Um, you ever read the book, Pete the Cat? My daughter loves it. What if I told you that I was invited to be a pallbearer for one of the stars of Pete's Dragon? Do you know that movie? I
8: I know what it is, but I don't. Uh, I haven't seen it. Are
3: you Are you sure you're named Pete? How about the bowler Pete Weber? I know Pete Weber. <laughs> yes. Okay, all right. How about there the we Adventures
4: go. of Pete and Pete? One of the best Nickelodeon shows in the nineties. Do you know the name of the that,
3: the middle Brady brother? Greg was the oldest, Bobby was the youngest. There was the middle one there. Uh, well, Mike was the dad, right? Mike was the dad, yep, yep. Uh, Peter Brady. That is yeah. correct, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Cousin, cousin Marcus, who was a former Colts offensive coordinator. Peter, are you native
3: to Indianapolis? I am not. I'm originally from Fort Wayne. Oh, okay. And that would be uh, Snyder, that would be Dunbar, that would be uh, Lures. The be... Archers. Which one's that? The Archers, Fort Wayne, Southside.
5: Gotcha, uh-huh. Southside,
3: okay. All right, very very well. A unique uh, nickname. Pete, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin Bowen to give you the first question? Uh, let's go with Jake. Okay. Here we go, Pete. Question number one. Who has more thirty point ten assist games in the history of the Portland Trail Blazers? Damian Lillard or every other Blazer combined? I'll say Damian Lillard. Okay. All right,
2: Pete. Kevin Durant to the Suns last night. The Suns have never won an NBA championship in their 54 seasons of existence. That is the third longest current championship drought in the NBA. Who has the longest active NBA championship drought? Is it the Knicks, Hawks, Kings, or Trailblazers?
3: Um... This team has moved locations. Um,
8: Say it again. What
2: are the choices? Yeah, it's the Knicks, the Hawks, the Kings, or the Trailblazers. They also have the longest
3: playoff droughts. I'll
7: say the Kings.
3: Okay. Question number three. Russell Westbrook was traded from the Lakers to the Jazz in a three-team deal. He is just the second player in NBA history to be traded four times after being named most valuable player. Who was the first to have done that? Was it Bill Walton, Bob McAdoo, Wilt Chamberlain, or Moses Malone? Uh,
8: I'm gonna go with Moses.
2: All right, number four here, Pete. The UConn women's basketball streak of not losing back-to-back games in the same season came to an end last night at 1,083 straight games. Got to go back to 1993. Who now has the longest active streak of consecutive games without back-to-back losses in the same season in women's D1 college basketball? Is it A, Gonzaga, B, South Carolina, C, Indiana, D, Iowa? Oh my! Mary Few is the head coach, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
6: Say it again. Who's the
2: coach? Uh, Mary Few, I believe, is her name. Been there a while. Really enjoyed it. And the cho- was Gonzaga
1: one
2: of the choices. Uh the four choices: Iowa, Indiana, South Carolina, and Gonzaga.
8: South Carolina.
3: No, 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 no. You say her name is Few. I'll go with Gonzaga. Boy, we gotta dump those nachos. Okay. Pete, here we go. Last one. And this is a significant sport in terms of the collegiate level of your hometown. Basketball is not the only sport that was invented in Springfield, Massachusetts. On this day in 1895, William Morgan presented his new sport known as Mentonette at the Springfield College. By what name do we now know Mentonette to be? Is it badminton, volleyball, dodgeball, or handball? Uh,
7: oh.
3: handball. I, I always thought Muncie was more known for Well, I believe that Kurtz Karai coached in Fort Wayne. Oh, it's
8: volleyball. Okay, mm. if it's Kurtz Karai, it's volleyball.
3: Didn't he have a Fort Wayne connection?
8: I'm not I'm not aware of that. I thought he was a LA guy.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what, Pete seems very
2: coachable. When we when we have tried to push him down one pass, he has jumped on it right away. Totally, yeah. Very coachable here. All right, Pete, let's see how you did, and no matter what, stay on the line because you've got some Muncie-related things coming your way. All right, 30-point, 10-assist game for Damian Lillard last night. Who has more in Trailblazers history, Damian Lillard or the field?
3: Uh, the answer is Damian Lillard. I uh, see. Uh, Correcto. Uh, number two, the
2: longest playoff drought in the NBA is also the same as the longest active championship drought. 71 seasons for the Kings.
3: That is correct. Uh, question number three. Russell Westbrook traded four times after being an MVP. The only other guy that for that to happen to, and I remember late in this guy's career, the PA announcer for the Lakers when you would watch a game when he'd score just saying, Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo, the correct answer. 74-75 MVP with Buffalo. It's now the Clippers, it. by the way. they traded to the Knicks, Celtics, Pistons, and Lakers. Gonzaga and you volleyball correct tomorrow. for the other two. You don't even get a lousy copy of now, I'm looking. Game. Scotty, you tell me, You're am I hallucinating in the fact that there's some weird <laughs> Kirch Karai connection to Fort Wayne? I, have no idea. I thought for certain that he coached at IPFW. Maybe I'm wrong. I always
2: thought Muncie was. Well, I know that Muncie is a Muncie's
3: something. a huge hotbed for sure. All State for University. for volleyball, no question about it.
2: Like there's been years where Muncie schools have won each of the classes of volleyball. Yeah. Oh yeah. Muncie Burris, dominant. Lisa Fortier, by the way, the Gonzaga women's coach. <laughs>
3: I'm going to solve this I'm once like and she's for all it, with my Kerch okay. Karai mystery. All right, Jake's up
5: some
2: things during the break. Right. We'll, we'll
5: do it one- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
0: You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5.
3: The Fan. Uh, I apologize. apologize to Pete as well. It was Lloyd Ball who was a native of Fort Wayne, not Karch Karai that I was thinking of. Uh, Ball, who's my age, was, I think, on some of those same Olympic teams. Yeah, and,
2: Beijing, Olympic yeah. uh, gold gold medalist. I hope. Um, I hope uh, Beijing,
3: World Championships in Greece. Yeah, he played all over.
2: Maddie played volleyball in high school. I think volleyball is a fun sport.
3: Boy, to Boy, it watch. is. It's it's also a very stressful sport to watch because it's so momentum driven. Uh, sure, sure. It yeah, is fun to watch. It's really fun. It.
2: And is boys volleyball sanctioned yet by the IHSA?
3: I don't know that it is. Carmel won it. Um, it feels like it's close. A couple of years ago.
2: Feels like it's close.
3: Um, but yeah,
2: I always enjoyed watching volleyball in high school we'll certainly go over some super bowl props on tomorrow's show these are a couple ones i like just to really kind of get your mind racing the total combined yardage of all made field goals in the game over under 117 and a half
3: how about this Number of retired Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks that are shown or referenced in the game itself. What's your guess?
2: Ooh, uh, let's go seven and a half. Ooh, you think it's that high? You know, you could get a rattle off of, like, former Chiefs quarterbacks. Uh, that could Lynn be Dawson, right
3: there. They'll probably mention – well, they mentioned, well, retired, though. So for Philly, you're not going to – you know, Nick Foles did not yeah, count. Yeah, but do you go Dawson, Montana – montana probably gets mentioned yeah and then do you get some
2: crowd shots you know do you get a crowd shot of manning is brady going to be on the telecast it's a fox
3: telecast okay how about this over under that demar hamlin or not over under but odds that demar hamlin does an interview in the pregame show
2: yeah I, i i still think no on that
3: I think there were a lot of people that thought that that's why he hadn't done anything yet because he was going to get paid to do like a Super Bowl one. Total number, the chains
2: get brought out over under one and a half. Okay. Uh, How about this one? The jersey number of player who scores the first touchdown. If you want to go with the odd number, that's minus 200. If you want to go even, that's plus 150. How great is that? Odd or even jersey number? Travis Kelsey wears what? Eighty-seven. AJ Brown wears eleven. Hmm. Jalen Hurts wears one. Boy, you better hope. I mean, odds got a lot of a lot of weight there.
3: How about this? Um, odds that the MVP is not drafted in the first was not drafted in the first two rounds.
2: Boy, that's got to be pretty low, right? Mahomes, or Hurts was a second rounder. Kelsey? Yeah, I just, I feel like it's so hard for it a pass catcher to win feel, it. does kind of just
3: feel, yeah, I mean.
2: Uh, Rihanna, first song, this is what I came for. Her last song, Don't Stop the Music, those I, are the favorites there. I've I
3: always was, wondered this, how do they, like the the length of the anthem?
2: Yeah. Uh-huh, 125 seconds. You're going you going over or under. What
3: if you know the person who's performing it? Yeah, that's that's
2: some insider trading, Jake. I guess. We can't have that. Purdue and Iowa, tonight, 7 o'clock. NBA trade deadline, 3 o'clock. You are taking the under. No Pacers traded. I'll go
3: with one. I'll say some picks.
2: Okay. We'll recap it all. Tomorrow, again, Adam Vinatieri going to join us, and we will preview the Super Bowl. Everybody have a great Thursday. Talk to you tomorrow.